1: Line up, you fucking nerds. Who wants a shot at the champ? Whoa. What's going on, folks? My Take Radio episode 123 for Thursday, January 12th, 2012. The intro music you just heard was actually the music used for The Vegan in the Scott Pilgrim film, so you can pick that up off the Scott Pilgrim official soundtrack. Call-in numbers 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number 347 324 and if you want to leave feedback for the show or for the site or for anything else, 347 mtr 347-815-0687. Alright, let's jump right into the housekeeping. we got a lot to do tonight. First off, I will be having a guest this evening. I'll be joined by uh, Combat Zone Wrestling, a.k.a. CZW's Greg Excellent will be stopping through. We'll be talking about this Upcoming CZW event at the Legendary Asylum, also known as the ECW Arena in Philly. That's gonna be happening the 15th. It's gonna be a dual card with another promotion in addition to CZW there. And we're gonna be giving tickets out for that tomorrow afternoon. We're gonna give two sets of tickets for the CZW event, which will be Saturday. Bell time is at 2:30. I recommend you guys get there at about 1.30 or so. Give out the uh, give your name plus my take radio and you will get two tickets to check out the CZW event as they close out the ECW arena. So Greg will be joining us at eleven thirty. That's the first order of business. Secondly, Facebook fan page, of course, my take radio is on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash my take radio. We are about 1663, still still well away from 2,000 fans. Those of you that are active on the fan page, I appreciate all your comments and support for the site and for the show. Please continue to do so. We're going to try and do different stuff on Facebook. The only problem is we got to be a little careful with what we post just because we don't want to violate any Facebook terms of service. But we are going to be making some changes in the coming weeks to the my take radio site so you'll be seeing a whole bunch of other stuff there as well i'm a little rushed and a little flustered we i just actually wrapped up a panel with our friends over at mma gospel they broadcast live every thursday at 8:30, and uh, we were talking about cyborg and what happened with her and also some of the other mma news so definitely check those guys out i'll make sure to post the episode on our facebook fan page once it is up There were a lot of great news coming out of MMA Gospel, but but some sad news as well. And once I get confirmation on that, I will share it on the fan page with you guys. But definitely appreciate MMA Gospel's continued support of My Take Radio and also our friends from MMA Valor that were part of the panel as well. MTR, as you know, has its apps for iOS and Android, but that's not the only way you can listen to MTR. You can also use the Stitcher app. And if you do decide to use it, you can get $100 courtesy of Stitcher and MTR. Just head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take. Enter my take in the promo code. And before you know it, you may be entered to win a $100 gift card. The beauty of Stitcher is that it allows you to listen to... Uh, Streaming episodes of MTR without having to sync with iTunes or drag MP3s into your into your telephone into your mobile phone's storage, and it's cross-platform with iPhone iOS, WebOS, and BlackBerry functionality. So again, Stitcher.com forward slash My Take, and you'll be entered to win a $100 gift card. Also get glue check-ins. I appreciate all the support with that. I actually reached out to get glue recently, but since CES has been going on, those guys have been swamped with a whole bunch of stuff just to kind of gauge where we're at with stickers and also a couple of things I wanted done for MTR. They actually sent me a feedback form this week which I will be emailing to them. So hopefully you'll start seeing some M- some MTR stickers due to your check-ins. We really want to get that up and running. It's a nice way to say thank you to those of you that support the show and not only that, but if you reach a certain threshold on on St- on Stitcher on GetGlue, they will send you uh, free versions, you know, live versions of your stickers that you can stick on your notebooks or whatever the fuck you want to do. So, that's the deal with that. Articles on the site have been a little quiet this mean. Uh, have been a little quiet this week. This means a few things. Number 1, When it's quiet on the site, it's because we are in the lab working on things for you guys. And it's not that we are short on content or anything. It's just that it's been a little quiet. And um, I've been speaking with Slick and the rest of the MTR staff. There's going to be some changes, uh, not just to My Take Radio, the show, but My Take Radio, the site, and just the overall direction of certain things. I'm not going to get too far into it. Only because some things are in its infancy, some things are in planning stages, and you guys will see some of the stuff very, very, very soon, and there's also going to be some changes as well with regards to just the pacing of the show and how we do things. I've mentioned before, switching off the live format, and we are probably going to start doing some stuff maybe in February as micro-episodes, which are going to be just breaking down the four... My phone obviously decided not to be on silent. Clearly, people on Twitter are uh, chatting up tonight's guest. But besides that, going back to what I was saying, um, there's going to be just a couple of changes with that. And we're going to try and experiment next month with doing the four core topics of the show spread out into small episodes. So there'll be an MMA episode, a wrestling episode a movie episode, and a video game episode. I may be joined by a guest for each one. We'll see how it works versus talking to myself for 30 minutes, but that's something that we will be testing out next month. So there may be one or two Thursdays where you will not see a live show, but when you update your iTunes or your app or whatever, you will get those smaller episodes. So be on the lookout for that. We also have a couple of guests lined up for MTR Behind the Mic and MTR Beyond the Mic. We didn't forget about that for the new year. Just a lot of planning goes into setting up those guests and we're going to try and get some guests in for the remainder of January tonight. We're going to be talking about WWE raw. We're going to talk about the strike force event this past weekend. I want to definitely talk about Brodus Clay's uh, debut, which should have been the intro music for this week, but unfortunately there's no clean audio for it, but somebody definitely needs to call his mama. Thank you. Slick Um, in addition to that. We're going to talk about the MPD numbers for this month. We got some movie news and some entertainment news for you guys as well. But I want to get into this week's monologue, and I wanted to actually talk about some of of my fellow sites out there that cover video games, and video games in particular. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I've seen an alarming trend, and there's a guy uh, that runs a blog called... um, Game journalists are incompetent fuckwits, and he basically calls out the video game industry, um, especially a lot of the independent sites, for some of the fuckery that passes for video game news. He also calls out the big sites, including Kotaku, and um, to some degree Joystick as well. And I I have to agree with a lot of the stuff that he calls these sites out for, because some of it is complete bullshit, and in some cases it's not even relevant to what they cover which brings me back to what's been happening this week. Obviously, a lot of sites and a lot of game publishers like to send out press releases to advertise their games, and a lot of sites take it upon themselves to copy and paste those press releases as content. While I personally am not a fan of that, a lot of sites do, and I honestly don't think that any of you guys are going to go to MyTakeRadio.com to read a fucking press release. It is bullshit, And it's something that we just won't do. If you want to come up with content, get something together and build content. I'd rather update the site three times a week with good stuff that you guys can look at, read, or watch. Instead of copying and pasting a wall of text that nobody will give a fuck about. Same goes with an alarming trend I saw this week. And that's people reviewing demos. Obviously, the name demo says it all. Most times, it's not an incomplete version. It's an incomplete version of the game. And it's put out there just to wet people's appetites and get people interested. Too many sites go out there and take it upon themselves to review said demos. Which, in my opinion, is completely fucking stupid. Because you're reviewing a sample of the game i'd rather give an impression on the demo just like hey i was playing the demo today it was good it was bad whatever hopefully the game doesn't suck versus actually generating an entire post dedicated to a demo it's completely ass backwards in my opinion and i'd rather once again not publish something than do it to get the traffic it really just it's not something that i can personally that i can personally attest to that i would want to do it's not it's not my style And I just feel that with so many sites on the come up, us included, um, you know, certain things get lost in the shuffle and I've seen it with some of these bigger sites too, just covering, uh, Kotaku was guilty of putting up a story about a homeless guy that dropped dead outside of an arcade, but because he died outside of an arcade, you know, it kind of tied into the video games, which is stupid. And that's something you're not going to see on MTR, so... I want to let you guys know we're not going to sit here and do reviews for fucking demos. It's stupid. You're not going to see us print press releases. And if I do get anything press release related, I'd rather just sum it up, give you guys a picture of what it's going to be, and keep it moving. If I if I do something with a press release, it may be an excerpt, but I'm not going to copy and paste it. It is stupid, and it really just shows no work being put into your projects. Simple as that. So, guys, you're not going to see it. A lot of people were asking... If we're going to start, you know, posting more stuff, like obviously the Gina Carano post went up and there was a lot of traffic for it because obviously boobs sell. And even with that, I'm not going to link bait you guys and say, hey, look at these tits because it's stupid. I'm not going to do it. If it ties into whatever we cover, so be it. But I'm not going to just arbitrarily throw a pair of boobs up there and try and spin it like it is something to do with what we cover. Once again, not what we're after. I'd rather be loved for what I am than hated for what I'm not. Simple as that. It's it's ridiculous. But on the flip side, there are certain aspects, and I think I bludgeon that. I'd rather be uh, hated for what I am and loved for what I'm not. you got to bear with me. I'm uh, running on fumes. I apologize. But anyway, going back to what I was saying. We're not going to be doing that with MTR or any of the other projects that we're going to be working on. It's not going to be the typical cookie cutter website bullshit. And I really wanted to share that with you guys because it's something that's been bugging me this week. And it's an alarming trend from a lot of sites, some old and some new that think that that's the way you got to do things. If anything, you have to set yourself apart from everybody else. And that's what we're going to try to do. Simple as that. I'm not going to beat this up any further, so what we're going to do right now is go right into the MMA, because there is a ton of stuff, and I know that our guest will be calling in at 11.30, so we're not going to sit here and waste any more time, and I've been fucking around not getting a new MMA intro, so I will hopefully address that this weekend, and you won't have to hear this Ultimate Fighter music any longer. Alright, I want to open up talking about this past weekend's strike force event. Had Luke Rockhold defending his belt against the Dean of Mean, Keith Jardine. Uh, I'm gonna just go through the matches on Showtime. Uh, the opener with Tarek Safadine and Tyler Stinson was a fantastic opener. Uh, Tarek Safadine really handled his business in the in the later rounds. Tyler Stinson looked fantastic in that first round. But second and third, all Safadine. Safadine ended up winning via split decision. I believe he broke his arm after the fight. It was just a beautiful, beautiful opener. I was very impressed with Stinson. And Safadine is just a guy that delivers every time he goes out there. The funny thing was that Showtime now, since it's been you know, since the strike force deal has been extended, has been focusing on definitely polishing up their presentation. It was it was obvious in this event. And even in the last one to a degree, but in this one you can see the the Zufa influence kind of rearing its head. And I have to commend them for taking a, a great interest in Showtime and really wanting to take this to the next level. I was impressed with the presentation and it shows that Zufa wants to give Strikeforce a chance to survive and I am all for it. The next match on the card had Jordan Main and Tyrone T. Wood Woodley. Um... Not the best performance by Woodley. I mean, he went in there and he he did win the fight via split decision. But I felt that it was more uh, smother, smother and cover from T. Wood this time around versus his typical varied offense. I really felt that he was using the John Fitch offense, which is just using his wrestling to win the fight. I don't know if that was because he may have been injured or he just wanted to fight safe. But it was not one of his better performances. And... You know, even though he took the decision, it really was not an exciting fight at this point. I felt this was not the low point on the card, but definitely uh, something questionable. And I think in T Woods' case, you know, he wants the challenge for the welterweight belt. And honestly, if he does, I believe that he really needs to step his game up and start using his wrestling to set up his striking versus just his striking to set up smother and cover wrestling. Otherwise, people are just gonna. Uh, start hating on him, much like they do John Fitch. Well, overall, it was a solid performance from him, using what he's good at to secure the victory. Uh, once again, my phone going crazy with the Twitter. I apologize if it's coming through the microphone. Uh, on the light heavyweight side of things, Lorenz Larkin, King Mo. Um, I expected nothing less than fireworks from both guys. Lorenz Larkin coming in 12 and 0. King Mo 8 and 1. As soon as the round started, King Mo came in there, shot in for the takedown, which he got, using a lot of ground and pound. They got stood up at one point, and um, he moved right back into Larkin's half guard. Pretty much the majority of the fight consisted of Mo uh, using top control and utilizing a lot of ground and pound, at which point he secured a dominant position and proceeded to just wail on Lorenz Larkin. Kim Winslow stepped in. A lot of people were questioning the stoppage, which, I've discussed, which I have discussed earlier on MMA Gospel. Needless to say, King Mo handled his business, secured the victory. TKO strikes in round two. Um, great performance by Mo. Mo has been very vocal about challenging Quentin Rampage Jackson, which you, know, you can take it for what it's worth. I think that King Mo and Rampage would lead to a fantastic match on any pay-per-view card. I feel that Part of their beef, while it is legitimate, I also feel that there's a lot of wrestling-style hype in there. And I gotta commend both guys because they're really doing the best that they can to get that fight set up. Great performance by King Mo. Definitely puts him up there in the light heavyweight division as somebody for a title for another title opportunity. So be on the lookout for Mo. On the middleweight side of things, Adlan Amagov and Robbie Lawler had a very competitive fight. Amagov accidentally... Kneed Lawler in the head from a downed position. Lawler took his time to heal up. A point got deducted for the illegal knee, at which point Robbie Lawler came flying with a flying knee pretty much over Amagov's head. He landed to the left of, well, to the right of him a little bit, slightly behind him, and proceeded to unload on Amagov, and that was it. Robbie Lawler, TKO strikes in the first round, great performance by Lawler, Lawler making a statement for himself in the middleweight division, definitely another fighter to keep an eye on, and the main event of the evening, Luke Rockhold taking on Keith Jardine for the middleweight belt. Rockhold, great striking. Jardine actually had had a really good cut. He was using the uh, Dolce diet system. Mike Dolce helped him cut from his typical 205 down to 185. Looked in great shape. Jardine was moving well. He didn't really seem to have been hindered by the cut. Rockhold definitely was the better fighter. He ended up catching Jardine and dropping him. But Jardine did recover. But Rockhold just kept going in. ...for the attack and succeeded in taking him down again with another, I believe it was an overhand right, uh, Jardine was pretty much cross-eyed at that point and slumped over, Luke Rockhold secures the victory with a TKO in the first round, overall great night of fights from Strike Strikeforce, um, Luke Rockhold making a statement was made it a point to call out the middleweight division of the UFC, asking that some of these UFC guys come down to Strike Force to pose a challenge to him and i think in 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 some, in some respects he is correct i think that the UFC has such a stacked roster that they can send some of those guys to Strike Force to challenge for those belts i think it would lend credibility to the organization but also give the fans a lot of fights that they really haven't seen i mean guys like Josh Koscheck would be good in Strike Force Diego Sanchez um, even Kenny Florian, if he went up to 55, I'd like to see him fight in Force, test himself against Gilbert Melendez. There's there so many great fighters that just don't have the opportunities in the UFC because the roster is so deep that I think they would benefit from being sent to Strike Force only because, like I said, it would help build up that organization. And they can even come back to the UFC at, at some point, let's say, maybe do super fights with the champions for Super Bowl weekend. I think something like that with the two middleweight champions... Light heavyweights and uh, welters and lightweights. It would be fantastic. I think, you know, Gilbert Melendez and somebody like Frankie Edgar on a Super Bowl card would be fantastic. Just build it as, you know, Strike Force versus UFC. You can even do undercard fights, like I said, um, Rampage versus King Mo and finally get that settled. That way, Strike Force fighters don't need to come to the UFC and UFC fighters don't have to uh, lower themselves. And I say that in quotes. To go to Strike Force. I think that would be the best way for the organizations both to benefit from each other's talents, but we'll see what happens. It's only the start of 2012, and we may just see it. Let's get into some other MMA news. Mac Danzig will be making his return to the Octagon at UFC 145, taking on returning Efrain Escudero, who came back uh, returned to the UFC recently. That's going to be happening March 24th in Montreal. In addition to that, the UFC has put the finishing touches on the UFC on Fox 2 event. That's going to be happening this month, January 28th, at the United Center in Chicago. The main event is Phil Davis and Rashad Evans, followed by Mark Munoz, Chael Sonnen, Michael Bisping, and Damian Maya are going to be on the Fox card. The prelims on Fuel TV have... A couple of great talents on there. Michael Johnson, uh, John Nemo, George Roop is fighting on there also. Cub Swanson, Joey Beltran, who's actually going to be fighting a debuting LeVar Johnson from Strike Force, Chris Camozzi, uh, great, great free MMA on Fox. That's going to be happening, like I said, January 28th. Also being put together, CR the Killer. He's going to be taking on Paulo Tiago at UFC on Fuel TV 2. They've actually confirmed that, and it's going to be CR's debut with the promotion. That's going to be happening April fourteenth in Stockholm, Sweden. The full card is going to air on Fuel TV. For those of you not familiar with CR, you should look him up on Twitter. He is a he is definitely a threat. He has fantastic stand up, and I think in the UFC against a guy like Paulo Thiago, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a night of fireworks for sure. Even a fight of the night or submission of the night, either way it goes it's going to be awesome for the fans. Now, coming out of Strike Force, this this boggled my mind for a couple of reasons, and it was the fact that Chris Cyborg actually failed her drug test. She um, in her last performance against Hiroko Yamanaka, it turned out that her her drug test results came in and she tested positive for steroids. Now, with that said, she has been stripped of the 145-pound belt. She will be fined and also suspended for one year due to testing positive for performance enhancers. Now, the worst part of this is not so much the fact that she used the performance enhancers, but the fact that the the weird thing is for men that use um, steroids, there's always that, that added edge to a typical male, uh, male's performance, whether it's, you know, increased strength or increased stamina with women. When they take certain types of steroids, you're, it, it's like at like taking a guy's DNA and putting it in a woman. It's a terrible an analogy to use, but it's something that's the most applicable. Um, you know, she tested positive for a legit steroid. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like Winstrol, which is a diet aid. And her statement was that she tested positive due to taking a diuretic last time I checked diuretics did not contain steroids put it like this if you take a diuretic and you test positive for steroids or for uh, testosterone unless somebody poured a dick inside the 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 diuretic there's no reason why a diuretic should make you piss hot it's it's a lame excuse it's ridiculous and honestly I think that if she really wants to do something and she and she is blaming it on the diuretic, she should bring the diuretic, whatever it is, to the athletic commission. That way other fighters won't get caught out there. Don't just say, hey, I took a diuretic and I grew a dick. It's ridiculous and it's silly. She should just own up, said, look, I took roids, I fucked up, I'm sorry, take your suspension and that's it. The worst part of this all is that the steroid she tested positive for is uh, stanazole, which has uh, metabolites. In it, and because of that, I'm sure that it increased her strength. It allowed her to, you know, manhandle Yamanaka. And the worst part is that it it raises a question of how often has she been cycling? Because you can you can piss clean and still use steroids. It's happened. Uh, there's there's masking agents. You name it. Not to say that that was always the case, but maybe her other performances were enhanced as well. And let's not even talk about the fact that she could be using HGH, which the only way you can test that is with blood work. So, real, real black eye for women's MMA right now. Of course, saving saving women's MMA is uh, Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate. They're going to be fighting for the 135-pound belt on March 3rd. But, again... If they don't have a great performance, it's going to be very interesting time for women's mar- mixed martial arts. Uh, Cyborg not only hurt the the organization and she hurt her credibility, but she hurt the movement of women's MMA. Because right now, the 145-pound division just doesn't exist. And by stripping the belt from her, unless they hold some sort of a tournament, I really doubt Zufa's going to invest that energy to make that happen. It's fucked up. It really is unfortunate. Moving on, the UFC has finalized UFC 143. That's happening, of course, February 4th, Super Bowl weekend. Carlos Condon and Nick Diaz will be meeting for the interim welterweight title. Fabricio Verdue makes his return to the UFC against Roy Nelson. Josh Koscheck is going to take on Mike Pierce. Uh, Renan Barao and Scott Jorgensen and Ed Herman is going to take on Clifford Starks. The prelims will be on FX, no longer on Facebook. Uh, Bruce Leroy is going to be fighting on the prelims. Matt Riddle, uh, Dustin Poirier. A lot of great fighters and that's going to be happening february 4th now as i was talking about earlier king mo has been very vocal about a lot of things including uh his interest in fighting rampage he was also very vocal about the stoppage with lorenz larkin but the other thing he talked about which i really wanted to share with you guys was an interview he did i believe it was in the Chicago Sun, and it was with regards to brock lesnar and I really wanted to share his comments because it really adds uh, a stamp, so to speak, to what I have said. When asked about Brock Lesnar retiring, King Moe said, I think he was nervous. Then he tried to hype the crowd up by singing and rapping to a song. And then when it was over, he went into the cage and that's when he looked defeated as soon as he stepped in. I think Brosh got, Brock got pushed too fast, too soon for his career And while he did make a lot of money, if they would have built him right, he would have been a great heavyweight fighter. I think he helped save the UFC and make them more marketable because he he has such a big following. I do agree with this statement. I mean, there are facets of Brock Lesnar's career that shows that he was pushed very quick. But I think that this is a, a sport not only driven by by fists and and violence, but also driven by money. And the fact is that Brock Lesnar sells pay-per-views and puts asses in seats. So it would be a no-brainer that you don't put him on the cards. It's as simple as that. Could they have done it a little differently? Absolutely. Could Could he have had a couple of more fights to acclimate himself to, you know, performing in the UFC? Of course, but what's done is done. When asked about Lesnar not liking to get hit, This I wanted to share with you guys. King Mo said, I think so. But at the same time, I think he knew that he was getting paid a lot of money and they had to rush him. Personally, I heard he was running his own show, his own training camp. I think maybe in training he got hit and didn't like it. And the training staff modified things so he wouldn't have to get hit. He never got adjusted to getting hit. No one likes to get hit. But after a while, you tolerate it and you don't think nothing of it. And I agree with that statement 110%. Brock Lesnar did not like to get fucking hit. It showed in every fight he had that as soon as Fist went to face, he went into retreat mode. It happened all the time. Brock Lesnar's success stems from the fact that he was a ginormous human being that used his wrestling acumen more than anything else. He had a little basic jujitsu in there, which is how he beat Shane Carwin. But in terms of standing there and trading, that was not something he did. It was not his strong suit. On the contrary, when Alistair Overeem brushed off that takedown and caught him with the first few strikes, you can see in Brock Lesnar's face that he wasn't prepared for that. You have a guy that walks around probably at the same weight that Brock Lesnar does, and he's cracking him upside the head, it it's really an eye-opener and in Brock Lesnar's case I, I once again I don't take anything away from him I think that he came to the conclusion that he just didn't fit in anymore that the level of competition has passed him by now if I were him I wouldn't you know honestly I wouldn't have retired I think I would learn from my mistakes and go back and Do a good training camp and maybe do a couple of smaller fights first, you know, fight a couple of guys that not necessarily tomato cans, but definitely guys that can help him become a better fighter, guys that would allow him to adjust to getting hit. How are you going to get into an organization where you get punched in the face and not like getting punched in the face? Regardless of how good you think you are, someone is punching you in the face. It's happened to the best of them. It happened to Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva is considered one of the best fighters in the world. As soon as that bell rang, Chael Sonnen came and put fist to face. And Anderson Silva adapted and he overcame the onslaught. But again, that's just a testament to being in the cage and adjusting. In Brock's case, he realized he can make a lot of money, make it quick. The UFC also realized, hey, we can make a lot of money off of this guy. He's got an incredible following. so So why not do it? I I still say that Brock Lesnar could have probably fought one more fight in the UFC. Um, there was a rumor saying that he was going to go to Japan and do a wrestling match with Fedor, which is fucking stupid. I'd rather Brock Lesnar go back to the WWE. At least he can go in there. It still is bread and butter. And not only that, but the fans the fans w- will forgive him departing the organization in a heartbeat. Especially with the lack of of fucking talent the WWE is pushing right now. It you know you take a guy like Zack Ryder, which I really wanted to say for Raw, but I'll mention it. You take a guy like Zack Ryder, you put all this momentum behind him, and then you have him in a basic scream, scary movie skit with fucking Eve Torres and Kane. It was was embarrassing for a guy that you're trying to build, but I'll address that later on. Next up, like I said, the Strike Force event for March 3rd, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey. Paul Daly makes his return to Strike Force against Kazuo Mizaki. Josh Thompson is going to be taking on KJ Noons and Sarah Kaufman, who was originally scheduled to take on uh, Misha Tate, is gonna be taking on Alexis Davis. Either way, a lot of people said that, you know, Sarah got passed over. Either way, she's fighting the champion. It's not like they completely brushed her aside. But Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey is the money fight. There's a lot of hype going on on Twitter, Facebook. The fans are interested. Everybody wants to see this fight. So we might as well give it to them. And not only that, but if the fight delivers, it will help women's MMA. Ultimate Fighter Brazil is going, everybody thought, which was just going to be exclusive for the international audience, will be debuting on Fuel TV as well. Uh, the filming for the Ultimate Fighter Brazil is going to begin next week, and it's going to be debuting March 25th. The coaches are Vandale Silva and Vitor Belfort. Of course, they're going to be competing as coaches, and once the Ultimate Fighter is over, they will be fighting more than likely on more, more like ugh, excuse me, more than likely on pay-per-view. So. Super excited for that. I was talking about that on MMA gospel, the ultimate fighter Brazil. Plus we have the ultimate fighter live debuting as well. I think it's going to be a great opportunity to see how international fighters adjust to living in the ultimate fighter household. Not only that, but in Brazil where MMA is a huge outlet and with what's going on over there, I think it's just going to be a great, uh, it's, it's going to be a great way to put the sport under a microscope and see how the other side of the world addresses MMA so it's going to be great and it's going to be March 25th probably on Fuel TV all right that's going to wrap things up I'm going to take a commercial break when we get back we are going to talk some wrestling right after this well hopefully our guests will have called in by then
0: you know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show Because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing We're broke as hell And uh, nobody really cares that much To laugh that hard So um, if you're looking for a show like that That has horrible audio quality And uh, Void of fake laughter Video game news radio 11pm Tuesday nights
1: On all games
0: we want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Look at that! Andre! The China! The WrestleMania! Everyone has a price list! What the fuck? What the fuck? He feels some noise! What the fuck? What It's not over! What is watching?
1: Alright, I'm going to jump into Monday Night Raw while our guest calls in. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the TNA Genesis pay-per-view, but then I realized, what the fuck for? Nothing of note happened, nobody gives a shit, so I'm not going to do it. Simple as that. Anyway, Raw this week was probably one of the weakest Raws I've seen in a long time. Other, there were other episodes of Raw I let slide either because CM Punk did something awesome or something cool happened. But this particular episode of Raw was bullshit. Uh, the first match of the evening is what I like to call the United Nations match. It was Sheamus and Santino against Wade Barrett and Jinder Mahal. Um, you know, overall, I'm not shitting on these guys as performers, but just the dynamic of the match was complete bullshit. And you're putting Santino in there. He's a comedy act. And he's trying to hang with three wrestlers that are, for all intents and purposes, serious. And he just seemed out of place. And it it, it was just a terrible opener. The vibe just wasn't there. And I'm not taking anything away from Wade Barrett. I think Wade Barrett has a tremendous upside. Great performer. Same thing with Sheamus. Santino, the joke gimmicks. I'm going to discuss that later on when we talk about Brodus Clay. But I just didn't find the match to be endearing in any shape or form jinder mahal comes out he's wearing a fucking turban uh you know i was waiting for him to cut why doesn't he just come out on a flying carpet why don't they just roll out a, a, a vase and he blows a flute and santino can have the cobra come out of the vase then it would be funny why don't you just put santino and jinder mahal and just have it do? Th- why don't you just finish the stereotypes like that jinder mahal blows a fucking flute and a, and santino's cobra comes out of the vase because seriously It doesn't get any more ethnically stupid than that. It's absurd. It really is. Um, Just a quick reminder I wanted to throw out there in case our guest calls in. Please remember that if you are the guest to press the number one on your phone so that you can be brought on air. I know that there's probably a caller on hold, but there is no hand raise. So please uh, verify that you are the guest. That way Slick can bring you on and hit the number one. Thanks. As I was saying, it's it's really terrible the way that they do it with um, with these guys. You take Santino, and I and I put up video. I put up video from his old gimmick um, where he was a, a Russian. He was he pretty much had Vladimir Kozlov's gimmick, but it just worked a lot better with Santino. You guys can check that video out on the uh, Facebook fan page. And Santino has great wrestling, I think he, he's very marketable, and you can have a lot of fun with his character, I just feel that him walking around using a glorified finger poke of doom is not accomplishing shit, like I said, if you want to do something, put him in the vase, have him come out with a cart, with Jinder Mahal pushing a cart, he blows the flute, and the, and the cobra comes out, and make him a tag team, do something, otherwise, get him the fuck off my screen, it's, it's ridiculous. It really is sad. Um, I've just been informed that Greg Exelon is on the line. I'm going to bring him in, um, and we are going to talk about CZW and their show at the ECW Arena this weekend. Greg, what's going on, brother?
0: Hey, man, what's going on? Uh, I was just digging you talking about Santino and Jinder Mahal playing the flute, which I I don't know how to play the flute. I once played the recorder in, I guess, grade school.
1: You are not the only one, my friend. I, too, played the recorder in grade school. But I just, you know, not to not to go completely off topic, I just feel that it's it's very easy for for wrestling organizations to hide behind race instead of pushing performers based on just their talent. And I always, I, you know, I got to oh. call WWE out on that often.
0: Oh, I, I you know absolutely. The, the Jinder Mahal character is basically a glorified uh, a jobber. Of sorts where he's on television, he he pushes the, the racial stereotypes and presses the right buttons to get heat and make the faces look good and whatnot. But uh, he's uh, I, I, maybe this is just me. I don't I don't DVR SmackDown because my DVR is filled with stuff I laugh at usually. And uh, but uh, for what I've, I've never seen a guy go over. And now he's wearing a turban, but they explain that it's not a turban, so that people will stop writing in being angry that a guy with a turban. It's just. It's awkward, but uh, my pick for Will Rumble is still Santino Morella. Just saying that.
1: <laughs> I would. I wouldn't mind that only if if they started making him a little bit more serious. But not not to uh, give anything to those guys. I, I want to talk a little. You know, I want to talk a lot actually about CZW. You guys are uh, going into the history books, closing out the ECW arena this weekend, and. Um, For those that are uninformed, just give us a little bit of background about CZW and how long you've worked with them and been a performer.
0: Uh, CZW has been around uh, for going on 14 years. Um, It was the brainchild of uh, the original Combat Zone owner, John Zandig, now owned by the uh, maniacal and uh, mostly evil DJ Hyde. Uh, I've had the, uh, the great privilege of working for the Combat Zone for, I, I guess, nearly six years. Uh, it is uh, unlike any other wrestling promotion in the United States. We do things a little bit different. Um, we uh, really cultivated the, the, the nature of, the, of ultraviolence. It's hardcore, turned up a notch. Uh, but not to be outdone, there is also uh, fine athletes and great professional wrestlers, great uh, technical technically sound very high flying in the combat zone you will get a little bit of everything for your money's worth that's for sure
1: how do you feel especially with the evolution of of pg wrestling and you know the the other the flip side of the coin with organizations like tna grasping at the at the attitude error booking how do you feel czw going the ultra violent route sets you guys apart do you feel that in some respects it you know it a lot of people have to do more homework on it, or do they just feel that you guys are trying to emulate ECW?
0: I mean, indie wrestling is 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 just like any, I guess, smaller venture of, of any kind of. I mean, you, you take take indie rock for that matter. You find so you know the people who search out a certain type of music, and so you know there's different. You know methods and ways of, of playing this kind of music, and, and, and people get hooked. It's how indie bands become bigger and become national recording artists and make lots more money. I mean, I, I look at it in that fashion. You know, wrestling fans uh, are notoriously fickle about what they like and what is good to them, and they're also they also have short memories. So what they like tomorrow isn't exactly what they like today. Uh, I think as far as what the WWE does, they are the band. Cannot you cannot take anything away from the fact that they are the largest wrestling promotion in the world, possibly the universe. I don't know what life is like outside of our planet. <laughs> However, um, they are the dance. You know there are guys that you know I, I'm, you know I'll be, uh, I'll be grinning from ear to ear the day Dean Ambrose is on Monday Night Raw because I have the opportunity of sharing a locker room with him, sharing a ring with him, in the company of. of combat zone wrestling that's right, that's right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all a matter of that these guys are working towards the dance you know what These in combat zone wrestling are the stars of today Are the stars of tomorrow are the stars of the next day um as far as uh tna wrestling and they're grasping onto, uh i guess you could say the attitude era um it's, it's it's another attempt it's another there are wrestling fans that that missed that attitude era, that missed the way things were of the 96 through 2001 of of that. I mean, don't get me wrong, great boom time period of professional wrestling where, you know, the ratings were through the roof. You you look at how things were on Monday nights where there was Nitro and there was Raw and each of them were pulling, you know, anywhere from a five to a six rating. Both of them. That is combined. That is ten to twelve percent of, of, of viewership. That's huge, huge. Um, as far as TNA trying to relive that and and redo that, it's it's, it's kind of hard. Um, there are very talented individuals in that company. Very, very, very talented individuals. I just don't think they have had the opportunity and direction to uh, to, to put it all together. And if they if they figure it out, if they do it, you know. Competition is always a good thing. If 3D if had the competition of a TNA, a serious TNA on a broad spectrum, wrestling would be you know, just as huge as it would in that attitude area, you could say. And as far as the question about do you think if we're, I guess, ECW knockoffs or, or, or something along those lines, um, I'm going to say no, because what we do is, is the next generation of something like that. The ECW was looked at as that third company that. That, that indie company that just continues to rise and rise and rise and, and make huge stars. I really do believe in, in my heart of hearts that inside the company, in a company where there are such talents of, of a of a Sammy Callahan, who's been all over the world and is is a phenomenally talented individual, an A.R. Fox, another incredibly talented individual, the CCW W. Wolf Heavyweight Champion, and Devin Moore, I've known Devin, uh, for six years and one of the most talented, underrated individuals I've ever had the opportunity to step in the ring with, just incredibly smart. Um he, I can, the list goes on on. These are the guys who are the stars like I said of today, tomorrow, and the next day. So I don't believe that it's it's a matter of knocking off something. And I really do believe as 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 we I continue to talk about the combat zone is it is the the true hybrid wrestling home uh, of professional wrestling, hybrid wrestlers, in my eyes, are guys that can do anything. If you, if you ask me to go out and do comedy, hey, I'm a fat guy, I like to giggle, I like to laugh, and maybe I'm a little <laughs> bit of a fan, you know, Mark, leave me be, okay? But
1: No harm in that. Uh, and
0: Brutus Clay, and Brutus Clay, let me just say, I want this. Since Monday night, I've been I've been looking on on the internet, trying to find a wet jumpsuit. Since then, sold out <laughs> everywhere. Amazon <laughs> does not know where to find one in the Triple X, just to that out there. The Combat Zone is the home of hybrid wrestling. And by that, I mean they can, we, can, we can do comedy. We can do technical wrestling. We can do high-flying. We can do hardcore better than anybody uh, in independent wrestling. I'll, I'll stamp my name on that one. So uh, that's, that's a little bit of a rant there. And, again, I'm still looking for a red jumpsuit. So you know, if anybody like sees one, you, know, you can email me. it would be great.
1: Oh, we'll, we'll definitely put that out there. I'll actually throw that in the show notes. But I, I did, you know, I've, I've watched uh, a, a lot of CZW matches, and I've always equated you guys to being um, like the promotion, the promotion that uh, guys like Hayabusa and even Mick Foley used to wrestle for that had a great mix of high-flying, hardcore, and you gave the fans a little bit of everything. And that's one thing I enjoy that CZW does because, we do we do as much as people bitch and complain. Appreciate a good hardcore match. I I'm not gonna lie. I mean I've seen uh, matches with Sammy Callahan and I'm like holy cow, you know like that 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 guy's bleeding all over the place. But it doesn't detract from the the enjoyment of the matches themselves. Like there ultra violence and and any type of hardcore aspect has a place. I just feel that when people do hardcore matches, excluding CZW, they hide behind the gimmick. You guys still keep the gimmick fresh by adding different spins on it. You know, you guys with, you know, with the ultra-violent title and, you know, things of that nature, you're embracing the hardcore, but still keeping a level of traditional in there as well. So, you know, I got to commend you guys for that.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, American deathmatch wrestling is, is a rare breed. And these individuals who do that, and you know what, it is called combat zone wrestling, and we do make our claim in ultraviolent. And and those guys, uh, you know, I, I've I've thrown hands, I've, I've thrown myself in the mix every once in a while, but I wouldn't say I've got uh, wonderful ultraviolet colors by any means. I haven't got the stripes on my sleeve that some of these guys do, you know. It's a a rare breed of human being to put yourself through torture. It is an even rarer breed of professional wrestler to embark on this night in, night out, every weekend, you know, 360 you know, five times, million times, whatever you you put your body through. You know, guys like Danny Havoc, the the deathmatch Drunkard, the guys like Drake Younger, uh, Masada. Let me tell you something about Masada. That guy is the business that guy is the bee's knees because that guy can do anything and uh these these guys are rare breeds and it's it's an entertaining thing to watch and you're right we really do try and give you a little bit of everything every night out
1: yeah I, i really i really like your your tag teams and you know i like um that you know you got a little bit of lucha style in there with uh asriel and bandito i like that because you don't see a lot of of lucha being showcased i mean you know you got the the sincaras and the ray Mysterios and things like that but you still don't you don't have that traditional lucha style so it's nice to see um you know a guy like bandito jr come out there and still hold down that lucha style and really keep it fresh in the eyes of you know the north american audience
0: absolutely absolutely you know they're the ccw world tag team champions uh Two very, in my eyes, also two very entertaining singles combatants. And, uh, you know, getting their, their, their tag team together, you know, from from working together in New Jersey, bringing that to South Philly. And, uh you know, they've been successful. I mean, and, and former champions, Philly's really most wanted. As much uh, grief and heat as, as they will take, the Black G's and Joker, uh, I'm going to go on a limb here with probably top five tag teams in the United States, if not bigger. That those guys have great rapport with each other, and not to outshine or overshadow, uh, as in Bandito, you know, two, two great guys, uh, I have the world's respect for them. Um, but, but the Phillies most wanted is, is probably like, well, like I said, top five tag teams in, in, in the country, in my eyes. And, you know, I, I watch a fair amount of indie wrestling because I'm a fan, and that, I maybe mean, that's the part that gets lost in all this. And yep. maybe it is a little bit of a mark thing to say, which, you know what? be damned if I may, you know, my name is Greg and there's not a whole lot of difference between my real human, normal, go to work everyday life and who Greg Excellent is. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a wrestling fan, God damn it. And I enjoy watching this stuff. I enjoy watching these guys grow and, and get bigger and smarter and get better in their craft. That's what I enjoy.
1: Well, even, even in your case, cause you'll be, you'll be wrestling as well. You know, you're having, you're having the match with, uh, with Mia Yim, who I've seen in, in Ring of Honor. Um, you know, how did, how did that come to pass and, you know, what's the story behind that?
0: Um, uh, throughout all of last year, I had the, uh, distinct displeasure of, um, being an employee to David John Marklin, who was DJ Hyde, the owner of Combat Zone yep. Wrestling. And, uh, a, a, a rich and, and, and long, annoying story, as it may be. Nonetheless, <laughs> as DJ Hyde aligned himself with Adam Cole, me again as Adam Cole's girlfriend, she seemed to feel the need to get into business one or two too many times, uh, so it came to the point where she thought she could knock me off. She she could take the thorn that I was being in the side of DJ Hyde. She could get rid of me. And uh, in November, at Night of Infamy... Uh, we, uh, we locked horns in a match that uh, I have been told. i like, let me tell you this right now. Uh, intergender matches uh, are often used um, as filler, as joke, as whatnot, as, as, as story progression. Um, aside from maybe two people, and I've been wrestling for eight and a half years, I've never been kicked nearly as hard as this uh, young woman kicked me.
1: Holy shit.
0: Um she she means business. She is a fighter, and uh, we tried to kill each other one night in November uh, <laughs> at the ECW arena, and probably one of my uh, well, one of my favorite matches I've been involved in since watching it. Since like I said, didn't remember a whole lot. I'm not gonna lie, she kicked <laughs> me in the temple like nine times. Oh. Uh, but uh, so uh, I, I came out the victor in that evening. A lot has been said on the internet and the message forums and whatnot about that match, and um, you know, here we are. We're going into January in what has now be, been billed as the uh, the last the last night at the world famous. I'm going to say that again. World famous ECW arena, Asylum arena, U Alhambra, CCW or whatever you want to call the building. The famous, the most famous bingo parlor hall in all the land. This could be the last night there. This was billed as, and uh, I'm in charge. it. I, I'm, I'm the one. I got three wishes, and wish number one was that I'm running January and a, at an excellent adventure. We will have the rematch, Greg, uh, excellent me and him, and we plan on tearing the roof off that place one more time.
1: Well, you know what? I think that the, the you know, and, and I, I pulled up a little tape for that match. I think that. Doing intergender matches the way you did it, I think that it, you can't pull any punches when you want to do uh, when you want to sell a legit beef. And you guys did it. I mean, uh, some of the shots you took were, were, were definitely. I was like, wow, that that was really. It was a very stiff style, and it worked.
0: Absolutely, you know, and you know, it, it's it's one of those things. Like I guess if you're going to pull back the curtain a little bit, and you're going to say, okay, you're going to you're going to wrestle a girl. And in your mind, you're like, well, I guess I can't hit her that hard. Right. That noise. I'm going to hit her hard. She's going to hit me hard. And we're going to call it a day. We're going to go out there. We're going to bang. It's called the combat zone for a reason. We're going to go out there. We're going to beat the hell out of each other. And, you know, in a, in a company that has featured matches, you know, from a guy named Brain Damage with with, with hands of stone, I know, been punched by the guy, that I'm going to go out there and I'm not going to sell that short. We're going to go out there and we're going to hit hard and we're going to see what happens
1: with 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 that match do you feel do you get concerned and and I know some people have have mixed feelings about this about uh you know women women bleeding in matches you know not every month as part of a cycle but legit violence bleeding um in instances like that what what's your opinion on it in terms of it being part of a match
0: um as far as as far as I'm concerned uh and you know what it it's kind of funny, I'm gonna bring this up. But uh Adam Flash of all people asked me the question, hey dude, she's kinda hot. Did you get a chubby? <laughs> and my response, my response, no lie, I will forward you the text was she kicked me too damn hard. I never got a chance to. Wow. You know what? And I'm gonna be completely real, this is this is professional wrestling. We train for for you know to become professional wrestlers. We know what we're getting into, and I don't know how everyone else looks at it. that's my not i guess my position in life or my job to do. I look at it how I look at it i I am an equal opportunity asshole, okay yeah, I uh, respect
1: that a hundred percent
0: she she learned professional wrestling uh in the same context that I did. I look at her no different than I will look at. Any other guy, any other guy, gal, whoever I step in the ring with—that is just—and and I'm pretty damn sure she looked at me the same way. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as in she's a girl, I'm a guy. No, we're, we're going out here. We're, we're both performers, we're both wrestlers, and we're going to go out here and, and we're going to work that way. Well, you know, so, the, it, 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 go ahead. It, you know, I, mean, I, I don't mean to cut you off. But, no, no, go ahead. One of my dream, one of my dream matches of all time, and. Uh, this has been for like for any of my closest friends will know this. One of my dream matches is against Sarah Del Rey. I've wanted to work with Sarah Del Rey for years. It's never happened. I don't. I don't look at it as a guy or as a girl. I look at this like she's she's an incredible performer. Yeah, she is. I think we. I think we can have magic in a ring together. Let's go do that. It's just a matter of it happening.
1: Yeah, I think. I think as a performer, she she is definitely uh, top of the crop in terms of just her style, the way she works and, and I like it because when she wrestles, it's very tight. It's not slaps and, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a with a with an elbow forearm or an elbow and a forearm. It's like legit punches, legit kicks. And you know, that that's one thing too, even with your with your match with Mia, you know, you want you want that because it helps not only just tell the story, but it just makes the match look not like not entertainment, but like a fight.
0: Absolutely, and that's that's the difference between independent wrestling and and mainstream professional wrestling on television with the movie and TNA is that a you know in independent wrestling the crowd's right on top of you you know anywhere from anywhere from three feet to six feet back is your front row and they're right on top of you it's an intimate setting and they're watching every move you make every motion everything so you got to go out there and you got to make them. Make them know what's going on. Why you got to give them that reason why they're sitting on the other side of that guardrail, and and, and that's the difference. And you got to go out there, and you're gonna you're gonna hit hard. You're gonna be tighter. You're gonna you're gonna work a little bit more of a rigid style.
1: With with that said, and and even working a rigid style, do you do you sometimes feel and and, and rigid style definitely with this? How do you feel with regards to? certain organizations and and you know it's happened with the with the bigger organizations as well with chair shots and and things like that with regards to injury do you feel it's a non not a non-factor but do you feel it's something that's blown out of proportion or is it just a matter of how you take a chair shot because getting hit with a chair there's no bullshit about it you're getting hit with a chair
0: i absolutely you know and, and i'm not i guess I guess from I, I like I'm a little more passive in the way I look at this. You know what? As far as if you don't want to take shots to the head, and you're on in our industry, that's your call. I, I'm, I'm not gonna if I'm in a, you know if I'm in a match, I'm going look here, take this chair shot to the head. You know I want to hit you as hard as I can with a steel chair. And you are go like, nah, I'm not feeling it. You know I got I got a kid, I got this, I got that. I'm not I'm not asking people to take risks with their own body when I don't have to live their life. Uh, as far as I'm going, as far as I am, uh, I'm in it to win it. I, you know, I'm down. I have, uh, I've got a pretty hard skull. Uh, I have suffered two concussions in this business. Wow. Uh, there are guys who have suffered more. There are guys who, you know, the studies continue to grow more and more every day. As far as the knowledge we've, we've churned out about concussions and their long lasting effects, you know, uh, I, I live in Maryland and, you know, Baltimore Oil second baseman Brian Roberts has had a concussion. And, and I showed on the radio this morning he won't be able to make the flight to FanFest from his home in Florida, you know, wow. because of concussion that he suffered last year.
1: Holy you know, shit. I mean, there's,
0: there's, still, there, there's studies that continue to grow. I mean,. This is, the, you know, and we're, we're not in a full-contact business. We're in a collision industry.
1: We go out there and we
0: throw our bodies at each other, you know, and, and, and logic be damned at the end of, you know, if you're successful enough to make a living in this business, it's, you know, the statistics are it's usually for only three to seven years of, of television that you could possibly be if you make it to that level. You know, you guys like him. Guys like Tracy Smothers been around forever, working the indies. You know, and yes, I love he Tracy, has. Also on my list of ultimate jury matches in my life. Um, so I mean, it's 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 all in. I guess your own preference is what I'm trying to get at. You know, it's, if you feel that that'll sell the point, or you know, you're you're comfortable taking that share shot, you think you're going to be fine, and that's on that. That's really on you. For me, I you know. If, if I'm comfortable with the guy, a guy or, 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 or girl, for that matter, you, who knows? What, me, Christ, I just wrestle anybody anymore. You know, if, if I feel comfortable with who they are, I'm like, you know, they want to they want to call it I have this idea about me getting hit in the head a bunch of times. Okay, fine. I remember I wrestled a match a couple of years ago where I get hit in the head, I think five or six times with a street legal stop sign.
1: Oh man. And,
0: uh, um. The next, I, I was fine. No concussion suffered. My 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 right ear was was ringing for days, and I really <sighs> the next day I, it hurt to comb my hair. It was nothing but lump. Oh, but you know what? That was my decision. Not every decision we make in in life is a good one. <laughs>
1: but
0: uh, I, I'm still here. I'm still kicking. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do this till the I'm gonna ride this car till the wheels fall off.
1: Well, with 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 you being in the industry this long, you know where. Where do you, you want to go? I mean, it's a cliched question, but where do you want to go as, as a professional wrestler?
0: Um, I want to go to Japan. There we go. Ironically enough, the combat zone will be going to Japan uh, sometime in July, I believe, is what the dates were, were, were slated to be.
1: Uh, you definitely uh, got to go. Know
0: if, I don't know if I will be on the tour. I really hope that I will be. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm a, something a little bit different as far as wrestling goes, but uh, who knows? Like I said, like I, put, I, I, I tweeted the other day, you know, Santino and Boris probably in the E. I might as well retire right now. <laughs> you know, the, but uh, I want to go to Japan. I want to do more international travel. You um, know, every once in a while, I get that question. Do, do I think I have what it takes to make it to the WWE? And you know what? It's, I don't think I know. I don't think we know. I think they're the only people that know. Yep. They know what they want. They go out there and they get what they want.
1: That's that, right. That's
0: the that's, that's the uh, the privilege of being top dog, or you know, the biggest kid in class. You you know if you want that kid's lunch money. You take it. That's just how it is. You know. And there's the W.V. They're the biggest kid in, in in the lunchroom. If they want your lunch, they're going to take it. And if they think they if, if the W.V. thinks they want a guy like Greg Excellent or a guy like Adam Cole, or a guy like Sammy Callahan, or A.R. Fox, if they want that, they'll find that. Yeah, but I've... i heard, uh, you know, it's, I went to a seminar two years ago down in Florida, uh, you know, off of the Wild Samoan was a, be, uh, a training and tryout for a week. And I was privileged uh, enough to go down there and, and partake in and such, and uh, it, but one of the smartest things I heard there uh, was that you know, you, we, we find you, you don't find us. That's how it works. You know, if you're doing something that's that's selling out uh, a place that has 100 people, then you're selling out a place that has 500 people, and you're making a splash. We already know about
1: it. Yeah, they're so, always you know, watching.
0: Oh, they're, they're, they're paying attention. It's kind of, you know, like I said, you know, you look at it it's as, as, I guess, low as the ratings are on television, how fun is it to be an independent wrestling Band, or an independent, you know, wrestler for that matter, to turn on the Raw a couple weeks ago, and in the ring is CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, Danielson. I'm not calling him Daniel Bryan. Nope. And Brian Danielson standing, <laughs> standing in the middle of the ring in Philadelphia, both are respective world champions.
1: How it's a cool
0: of a, of, a, of a moment is that? That ten years ago they were they were wrestling at the Philly Armory or they were wrestling at, at Murphy Rec, or they were at the world-famous ECW
1: arena. I just, it, it boggles the mind. It's so cool. Well, I, I you know, so, I, I follow indie wrestling here in New York, and, you know, I, between, you know, PSW, um, you know, Amazing Red, who's been on the show, he has a school, he puts on some shows, and the, the the intimate atmosphere makes it fun. You know, it's always cool. You hang around. You see some of the performers. You actually get to talk to them. Uh, you know, I got a new respect for the craft by seeing more independent wrestling, checking out more independent wrestling, and just seeing what goes into it. I, I mean, the big productions are always going to be the big productions. But the level of intimacy that's there, it, it's great that you can actually see the performers at the end of the night and say, Hey, man, you had an awesome match. Or, hey, you know, that was really kick-ass. So, for, for anybody that, that's listening that downplays any sort of indie wrestling, you guys need to do your homework. Because that level of interaction... You're not going to get anywhere else.
0: No, absolutely. You know, if, if you're a if you're mid twenties and you you liked doing to review all your life, but you know what? You think you you know, it's expensive to go. Stuff costs money. Economy's in the tank. I get it. You go to an indie show, you get three four hours of wrestling entertainment. You get to to, to hang out with you know a, a group of people. You get to. Like I said, like you just said, you know, you get to meet some of these guys. You know, the show. And these are guys that you know, okay, they, they haven't been, you know, they aren't world renowned. You know, they they aren't, they don't have thirty eight thousand Twitter followers. You know, okay, who cares? But you know what? You know, they just came out there and they 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 had all these people on their feet, and that was. It's a palpable emotion. It's it, it's they they harbor such great emotion within fans, and then. You get to go see this dude, who, you know, in five, ten years, you know, you could be sitting in your recliner just like I am, watching television. And and by God, I remember seeing that guy at the ECW arena. I remember seeing that guy at either Murphy Rec or wherever. It's it's just like watching. It's like watching your kids grow. It's watching you know an indie band get bigger that you enjoy. It's it's a it's a cool thing to be on that ground level of something relevant.
1: I know it's probably cliche to ask, but I, and I'm sure you're probably going to say that the that the ECW arena is your favorite. But besides the ECW arena, where else have you have you performed that that's had like one of the most awesome crowds?
0: Um, I was lucky enough to go to Germany uh, with ECW on that tour, and uh, I'll be honest, the, the German crowd was unbelievable. I had no I had no uh, no idea what to expect, and um, they are, they're smart, they're respectful, um, they were just unbelievable. And right on top of the ring, I just thought that was so cool. Like, you come to the ring, they part, it's like it part the seas, you walk to the ring, and, and the out closes with humanity, and, and there's people all around you. And they're, they're directly, they're, they're beating on the apron. They're right there with you. And just, just such an incredible, uh, I, I guess, emotional, like I said, they're right there with you. It feels like... If you, I I, maybe it is cliche to say this, but when you feel like you're down a little bit and you need, you know, you maybe you're a little hurt, maybe you took a, you know, something really tight or got hit really hard or or something like that, and you need a little bit more, it is amazing what what fan response, what somebody cheering for you will do to you. It will raise you up beyond what you believe. And look, I'm not that good. I'm a fat guy. I uh, I like to eat. I like to watch television. I uh, go to the gym once in a while, but you know, <laughs> hey, uh, it, it's amazing what what uh, a group of people that will get behind you and help you and push you emotionally will do. And uh, that German crowd was phenomenal. Uh, it was the debut of uh, no pants or pants off dance off. Greg Excellent in Superman underwear. Uh, <laughs> I got to come out to David Hasselhoff in Germany and dance. It was it was. By all means, more than I could have ever dreamed, and uh, the German crowd was a lot of fun. I, I really hope to go back this year uh, again. CZW has been working together, working relationship with uh, WXW, and uh, of course, you know Big Japan, uh, Big Japan, and whatnot. And uh, hopefully, you know that all that works out. I believe uh, needs to go back. I can't remember if it was October or November of this year that they look to go back. And um, the German crowds was, was great.
1: I hope you get to go, man. I'd love, I'd love to hear, you know, your 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 stories from that trip. That'd be that that's a that's a kick ass trip.
0: Oh yeah, last last time, just a, just a small little story here. Last time, um, it was a three it was a uh, three shows on the poor it, was, it wasn't a real long, you know, gimmick or whatever. But uh, and the one night we couldn't go, oh, well, by we, <laughs> I mean, it was myself. Drew Gulak, the Black G's, and I want to say Kylie Pierce. Walking around uh, in downtown Oberhausen, Germany. Not a care in the world, it's nighttime, and, of course, G's, he's trying to get people to take pictures with him. And me, I keep trying to, like... uh, just, just just, ruin his chances with every woman he runs into. So I keep pulling my shirt up, showing off my stomach. <laughs> so I ended up, uh, we go to this one bar, and just by chance, it's a place packed with bars. We walk into this bar, and there's this giant, giant screen in the back. We walk directly back, and they're showing, uh, we've got wrestling on television, it's Shawn Michaels versus Jerry Lawler from, like, 92 Raw.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And they were like, we're just like chilling, like, how this could not get any better than this. So they changed the channel eventually, so it, like F this we're leaving, right? And so the guy turns like I, hey you got some music double below and I scream turn the music up and I just start dancing through the place and there's this bachelor party outside, I start dancing on a table. So that was that was us the one night we couldn't go we couldn't go to a wrestling show, we decided to make disturbances in downtown Irbaha.
1: <laughs> there's nothing there is nothing wrong with that. I think I think that going you know to the to these other countries allows you guys to to kind of unwind a little bit especially with the with the language barrier which is something I, i'd i been meaning to ask a couple of guys but when you go on these international tours how do you guys account for the language barrier to do you know to, like um, to go to hotels and go to restaurants and stuff how do you handle that
0: you stick with someone who knows what the hell they're talking about <laughs> someone who's been on tour before um i don't know this firsthand but i do know that uh uh Devin Moore, CW World Heavyweight Champion, where he said on his tour of Japan he stuck with Masada. Masada who is world traveled. Like I said, I cannot put this guy over enough. Uh phenomenal, phenomenal talent. I watched him all on that same German tour have I'm sorry I wasn't there the i wasn't to the first show, but I did see the D V D where he wrestled oh man, why did the name escape me? Anyway, he wrestled like a phenomenal technical wrestling match, night two uh, was the hard-hitting match he had with uh, Sammy Callahan. Night three was Deathmatch Tournament. This to the finals with Nick Gage. Just just three straight stops. I can't put the guy over fact you But here, how do you get past language barriers? Just, again, hang with someone that has some kind of clue. You know what? Seven out of ten people now have smartphones. So odds are there's an app from what <laughs> they're saying to what my language is. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. And uh, don't act like an ass. Just and that's, that's like the biggest thing, like especially like retail situations, like you know things are expensive in like, so You know, think logically. If you're going over to another country for a month, think logically, think rationally. Like you know, you can't be going out to eat every night, obviously, stuff like that. But uh, don't be an ass. <laughs> it's like that's that's good for that's a good life lesson, also, not just a hey I'm in another country lesson.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's just one of those things where you know you got that preconceived notion as soon as you walk in there, and you know especially if they if they kind of get the vibe that you're a wrestler anyway, and you know there's always some guy that wants to test that or do something stupid.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know it's uh, you know people, and that's in the states too. You know it's, you know you're a wrestler, so you so you think you're tough. Whereas you know it's, you know I don't consider myself a tough guy. But You're a performer. Know, the train, I'm a trained professional wrestler. I do know some things. I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a UFC guy or an ex-martial arts dude by any means, but push comes to shove, I can I can get to the ground and lay on you.
1: <laughs> Smother and cover.
0: I can really Nelson this bitch is how I like to put it.
1: There you go. I, I did want i did want to ask you guys are 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 doing the double header with evolve as well it's not it's not very often i hear two different promotions working in an arena uh, at the same time was that something that you guys um wanted to put together or was that something that just because of the significance of the venue would have been the right thing or was it just a case of double booking like how did that come to fruition
0: uh it just it really it, it did kind of just come to fruition and uh we knew it, it's a if, uh, uh, right now, I, I, I say a lot of of, of smack. I talk a lot of of, of things uh, about DJ Hyde, and most of them are—I'm going to go ninety percent true. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe eighty-five. I don't know how I go on that. but nonetheless, I didn't learn fractions or percentages in school. Uh, but I'm going to go with the fact that he has he has good business sense, and we're working with we're working with some some really good promotions and. Uh, in, in, in our industry, it's you need a little bit of an alliance, and that's just how it works. Well, like I said, we've worked. got a good working relationship with WXW out of Germany, uh, a good working relationship with BJW, and and with uh, DS Volpe. And, you know, Latin, I believe it was in November, we ran the double header with uh, Dragon Gate USA. Uh, and, you know, to, to, to do this on this night with Evolve, is going to be meaningful for everyone and everyone involved. Um, so I mean, it came to fruition. Uh, maybe not the, the the golden circumstances as it is, but you know what? We're going to go with a bang. Better are going to do it how they do it. We're going to do it how we do it. And uh, I guarantee a for every for any wrestling fan that has any kind of connection, any thought, any inkling of what that building has meant to us. Has meant to performers. Has meant to people walking through the door. You know, like you know, I watched wrestling in that building for years before I got to, to be a performer in that building. You know, you know I come in the front door and pay, pay, go to the ticket window, buy my ticket, and sit in the crowd and, and watch that promotion and watch watch wrestling in that building because of what it meant, what it, what the building meant to me, and then what the wrestling promotion meant to me. That's like how it worked in my mind. So I mean, it, it's, we're lucky enough to have a, a working relationship with James Sapolsky. He's a, uh, a smart dude. Uh, his track record, reputation speaks for itself. And um, you know, I'm sure I, I, I can't say that I have all the information about what Evolve 10 has on their card, but I'm sure it will be it, it will be an entertaining uh, evening of professional wrestling as well. With I'm sure, I'm sure, plenty of surprises.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've read a few of them. I heard a, I heard a a certain a certain extreme announcer maybe by there.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I do believe that's been that's been leaked, that uh, Joey Styles, the yeah, voice that, of extreme championship wrestling. Yeah, I didn't want to, to blow it up.
1: <laughs> I figured you could uh, do the honors. You
0: know I, I read it on the CGW newsletter. How the hell they got my email, I'll never know. But nonetheless, I did read it on there. So I figured if it's on the newsletter, uh, by damn, it must be public knowledge at this point.
1: I, I, I did want to uh, definitely say that for for a lot of guys, seeing you know having Joey Styles there, I'm sure is just gonna be, is just gonna blow their minds because you know I, if they get him to do any announcing for that, you guys are you guys are gonna go nuts. Oh, <laughs> that absolutely. that arena that arena may get burned to the ground.
0: Oh yeah, I'll imagine how it's gonna you know for for a guy like me, you know who. Who watched Anarchy Rolls ninety nine on pay per view and Living Dangerous and you know that guy, you know and before the pay per view in you know, those two reviews he had he had someone calling he had a color guy with him and he was play by play and for my money I'll go out on that limb he is the best uh, play by play announcer in wrestling history. Jim Ross is the voice of wrestling I will give him that. Joey Styles is the most knowledge. And you tell you you know he's he's not selling a pay per view he's not a storyteller he's telling you what's going on and he's it, he's breaking it down for you and you yeah, that guy how smart is a dude that he was calling television calling pay per views up until the last couple of years on his own just by himself no color guy he went out there and and he was knowledge, he was smart and he did the product justice and how cool would it be I I don't know in what capacity he'll be involved um on on that on that day um this Saturday at the ecw arena I don't know in what capacity he will be involved but uh, how cool would it be just just to uh kind of like fantasy book this thing if he was the I don't know special ring announcer or or like I say you said special uh you know you know play by play guy just to to be a to grown up a fan of ECw and then to hear him I guess call your match would be kind of
1: cool. Well, I think I think it would be it would be great for you especially because the amount of history you have with the arena just going there. I you know when I saw ECW, I used to see it here at the Elks Lodge here in Queens, and um, absolutely, you know many. I I, I I saw many people get hit with chairs. A lot of beer was spilled. I was fairly young when I went there, and it was it was an amazing <laughs> it was an amazing experience. I remember. I left, I left, uh, my high school was 20 minutes away and I went there and I remember, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley came out and he, they were like the best heels at the time. And they were just like, Oh, you know, you're a fat piece of shit. They were yelling at this guy in the front row and and the guy was just so irate. Oh, it was, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever experienced. I was like, Oh my God, they're going to riot in here. Everybody's going to kill each other.
0: I'm still here to this day. Uh, I believe it was uh, Black G said he he uh, he feels his career is not complete until he has incited incited up, up a Ray Dudley uh, a few like like a, that kind of fuel from a crowd. Uh, you know where they want to riot, where they call it that kind of problem. He said his life isn't complete till that happens. And you know, it's, it's amazing the the impact these guys made on us. You know it's wild.
1: Well, with with your with you know, with your wrestling persona, first off, you, you get you get much respect for you for, for rick rolling everyone with your entrance music. I, I give you credit <laughs> for that. Um, one thing I, I, I did want to ask, who who inspired you to get into professional wrestling and you know, who who are some of the people that you model yourself after as a performer? Um, you
0: know what? The reason I got into pro wrestling or I, I fell in love with it at such a young age was my grandfather you know, um, I didn't know my biological father, and I met my, you know, my grandfather had two girls, so he never had a son, so we just kind of fit together, excuse me, and uh, and, and one night he let me sit up and watch a uh, Saturday Main event, I was like five, and uh, it hook sense, I, you know, I looked at him and he was enjoying it, and I guess at a young age I was like, well, if he likes it, you know, I might as well like it, and, uh, as far as wrestlers, I've always, you know, I, I've I'm always and always will be. If Dusty Rhodes wrestles at WrestleMania, I will I will be in front of my television glued. Dusty Rhodes is is one of the most captivating creatures God ever put on this planet. Uh, charisma uh, uh, of the boatload. Um, Dusty, Rhodes, I have plenty of people I I enjoy that I've had some kind of connection that I've I've seen in them. Like oh, that's kind of cool. I see why you do that. Uh, a Dusty Rose and you know, Ric Flair, cause the guy could, the guy you know, Dusty you know, Dusty and Ric Flair could trade versus just reading like the phone book to me and I'd die a happy man just because of their ability to talk and captivate emotion and, and connect with the crowd just from a verbal standpoint and then to go out there and tell a story with their body. And you know, Dusty Rose, there'll be enough, there'll never be another Dusty Rose. Nope. Never in a million years. And uh, it's, it's a sad, sad world. It's a sad re- a sad realization for a guy built like me that the letter be another Dusty Rose in the fact that, you know, it, there are different characters, there are different people in mainstream wrestling, but as far as the body types, you know, these guys aren't, there aren't fat guys. Curtis Clay, really, in all fairness, Curtis Clay isn't a fat guy. He used to beat up people for Snoop Dogg. That's right. So, I mean, he's not fat. He's just a tough, he's a hard ass. And now he's walking Flash Bomb again. Nonetheless, um, but you know, there, there's none of that body So, you, know, uh, you know, all these guys are wearing trunks and they got six pack abs and they're cut up. And oh, I'll ever be that way. And, and Dusty didn't have to be that way. He had a little little jiggly gut. He went out there and did his business and uh, captivated crowds. And that, that was so cool to me.
1: Dusty Rhodes and, Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire. I will never forget that. Oh yeah, free I mean, Sapphire. Uh, yeah, that was he was that that was that was an amazing run for him. I, you know, I think the whole thing with with Cody and and Goldust that the the Dream definitely has to get involved. I've been following him on Twitter. Just reading his Twitter is amazing.
0: And that and and every once in a while, think like I said again, I would listen Dusty Rhodes do anything to uh, to listen to him do commentary in WCW. Oh like, man, like, WCW, some of WCW's product was. Some of it was garbage. I'm not going to throw it out there, but Dusty Rhodes and Bobby Heenan, but nonetheless, Dusty Rhodes could could sell me anything, and I would just laugh and just enjoy, and and that's why. that's
1: yeah, Dusty Rhodes. That's, that's it for me. He was amazing all day long. He, He's he's a he's a great performer. And I think you know when when this whole when the when the WWE network launches, I think involving him. You know, I've heard I've heard different rumors. You know, they want to do the whole reality show thing. I say, I say whatever reality show they do needs to involve Dusty Rhodes, him and Tony oh, yeah. Atlas. <laughs> Tony <laughs>
0: Atlas's creepy laugh and like like as he walks around and, and never owns sleeves on anything.
1: No, he's he's like he's he's just giant lurch. He just walks around <laughs> and just laughs and just sits there. He's like a bad Bond henchman. I mean, he he really exactly that
0: Bond henchman.
1: Yeah, he, he needs. He needs that sort of thing to keep him out there. Those guys, they still have a lot of offer to offer the business. I mean, these one-offs where they go and they put somebody else over, it's great, but I think something like that, you know, some type of unique programming involving them would just put them over the top. You know, who who wouldn't want to see Dusty Rhodes in there? I'm trying to make breakfast. What the hell's going on here? You know, And they're they're yelling at each other. Just that alone and just them telling stories would be ridiculous. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: Absolutely. Those guys... They, they were they were on the road they were they, they you know before the you know fly to this destination fly to that destination they were driving you know 500 miles 600 miles you know what I mean to, to get from place to place in a car with you know, dick Murdoch or yeah, you know, this person or that person or you know what I mean like they have those moments they have those stories and that's that's almost as timeless as, as watching them go out you know and, and wrestle wrestle an hour with with Rick flair or you know, rick flair wrestling you know our time limits with with barry windham every night and stuff like that it's, it's it's just as it's just as captivating for me
1: well to to come full to come full circle i did i did want to mention and i know some people probably didn't notice this that you guys and you guys are one of the few promotions that for your events you actually organize um bus trips to go to your events and i didn't know Absolutely. about that somebody brought that to my attention. Um, who, you, how, how does that work, and, and what was the, the, the brainchild behind that sort of a concept?
0: Um, I know all the information is available on czwrestling.com. I don't have all of that exactly in front of me. But uh, I do know the idea was that our fan base just isn't in South Philly. That's an, the that's an, uh, ignorant thought of us to have. You know, we have fans in Delaware. We have fans in New York. We have fans in New Jersey. We have fans all down the East Coast. Which, you know what, New York and, and you know New, York, New Jersey, that area—it's the hubbub. You know what, I mean, with with such an outcry from our fans in that area wanting to get to South Philly to party with us at, at the uh, at the ECW Arena, you know what? We we want you guys there just as much as you want to be there. So that was the whole—the whole idea was, you know, let's give our our fans an opportunity to come down here, party with us, come see you know, uh, a kick-ass, you know, rock and roll wrestling show—how we do it. And you know what? Don't be. You know, you can come out here and you can drink. It's 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 the safest way to do it. You know what? You can know, come out, have a few beers. You don't get behind the wheel. You get back on the bus, take your sorry ass back to New York. You know, and you have a good time. And, that's, and I think it's 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 a it's a responsible way to do things. Uh, and, and it gives guys, people the opportunity if they want to come down here and see it and still still party and have a good time out of town. You know, get out of town for for a Saturday and have fun. It's, it's, it's a pretty
1: cool thing you do. All right. Well, you know, I, um, I want to just, uh, wrap everything up. And before I do, I did want to let the listeners know that I'm going to, uh, we're going to actually be giving out tickets to the event tomorrow. Um, I'll actually be giving them out probably on Twitter, but, um, unfortunately I can't make it to the event, but I wanted to take the opportunity, man, and, and wish you the best of luck. And I'd love, I'd love to have you back on soon just to to talk about the event and you know the history behind it are you guys going to be streaming that event is it going to be online through through hybrid do you know or
0: um i don't believe i don't believe we're doing uh, internet pay per view i believe it'll probably be up for stream i would guess within a week okay uh, in in that, in that time period and then of course you know you know dvds available at everywhere uh, they'll be available uh, directly on hybrid.ntv.tv, uh, as well as the stream will be available there. Of course, you can get that. You can go to CZWrestling.com and you know, pick it all up there. And you know what? You know, if, if you're in the area, if you're hesitant about it, if you're like on the fence, whether you're like, oh, I don't know, you know, just just, just this, hear me on this one. It is, you know, you never say never in professional wrestling. Never. Terry Funk, he was going to retire back in '87. Never say never. <clears throat> However, with the knowledge and what we know now, as far as the direction of what will be the ECW arena, right now we're saying this is the last night for us, man. This is the last time at this building that has had some of the greatest wrestlers to ever lace boots, walk through those doors, and perform for for five to 5000 It's the last night. If you're hesitant about it, just take into account, you know what? I might not get this chance again. I might not get the opportunity to go see a wrestling show at, at the ECW arena. What do you really got to lose? A stacked card uh, for an excellent adventure, uh, starting at, I believe, at 2, 2.30, somewhere in that neighborhood. Again, you can check it out on com. Yep, 2.30. You no,
1: know,
0: 2.30. And you know what? You know It, it doesn't get much bigger. Uh, ultra-violent rules. CCW owner, DJ Hyde against former owner, uh, the guy that gave me my my shot to work on a bigger scale in John Van Dijk, the, the father of ultraviolence. Uh unbelievable I said he has stacked card go up and down. You know, C W world champion, Devin Moore against Adam Cole, myself versus Mia Yim, Ula Nation versus A. R. Fox, Sammy Callahan defending the CW World Champion who title against Richie Swan. You know, it's world tag team titles are on the line. Bandito Jr. and Azriel champions, defending against Blackout. It's just a stacked card, top to bottom. Stay with us all through the night. Stay for Evolve 10. Hang out with us. Have a good time. You know, what? let's send this building. Let's send these, this building out in style. Is how I'm saying. Let's go out and you know, if you're on the fence, just think about it. Bring your ass to the South Philly. Have a good time.
1: There you go. I, um, Greg, I want to. I want to thank you, man. You know, you, you've been really candid with us. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I wish you the best of luck. I wish I could go to see it. But, you know, you got an open-door invite, man, whenever you want to come through. Shoot the shit about wrestling. You know, talk about Brodus Clay. <laughs> we, you're, you're, you're more...
0: Brodus Clay's badass red jumpsuit and two dancers and pyro.
1: That's right.
0: You know That's the what He am That's
1: the The only thing I will say to close that out with him... if if they don't go too overboard with the comedy, it might work. That's all I'm saying.
0: Oh, who knows? In all fairness, it's a train wreck, but you know what? (laughs) It's one of those things you just don't want to look away from. Like, what are they going to do next? How are they going to ruin this? In all fairness, I've watched it thinking it was a rib, and then I've watched it thinking, like, man, he's really in the the doghouse now. They gave him this, and now it's like, it was all the buzz. So now you're like, who knows? That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, man, absolutely, thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast, and th- there's no doubt I'll
1: be back on. Oh, yeah, man. You you guys all, you know, the CZW crew, you guys got an open-door invite, and we will be giving away two sets of tickets tomorrow, so you'll get some uh, MTR fans over there. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot, brother. You take care of yourself. Good luck this weekend, all right? Thanks, sir. Take care. All right, man. See ya. All right, guys, that was Greg that was Greg Excellent from CZW well from CZ Wrestling Combat Zone Wrestling you can get all the information for the event at czwrestling.com that event is going to be happening it's a double header with Evolve it's Greg's Excellent Adventure or an Excellent Adventure if you want to go that route presented by CZW at the Asylum Arena, the legendary ECW Arena, 7 West, Rittner Street in Philadelphia. Um, you'll be able to get all the information if you want to catch a bus from New York City, Trips at gmail.com, two pickups in Queens and Manhattan. The doors open at 2 o'clock. I recommend you guys get there at least one thirty or so, especially those of you that are going to be redeeming tickets given out by MTR. Great, great day of matches. First off, As uh, Greg was saying, Devin Moore, Adam Cole, Sammy Callahan taking on Rich Swan, Azrael and Bandito against Alex Colong and Ruckus. Uh, CZW's owner, DJ Hyde, meeting John Zandig. Matt Tremont, Drew Gulak. Greg Excellent, of course, is going to be wrestling. He's going to be taking on Mia Yim. You got Ryan McBride, Derek Frazier, Eddie Kingston versus the Joker. Well, versus Joker, I should say. A.R. Fox and the Yuha Nation will be meeting as well. Definitely recommend you guys check it out if you are fans of the hardcore style of wrestling. But you're also going to get regular wrestling as well. Czwwrestling.com. Show notes will be up later tonight with the full details. And make sure you're following my Take Radio tomorrow so you can get yourselves a set of tickets to go. Brand new, free, courtesy of my Take Radio, and you'll be able to send out the legendary ECW Arena in style. And not only that. But you may even see Joey Styles there as well. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. Switching gears, jumping back into Monday Night Raw. Um, We were talking about the Sheamus and Santino match. I'm just going to skip all that and go through some of my thoughts on some of the other matches. Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan, a decent match. Uh, Great setup for the slow Daniel Bryan heel turn, which I'm really not a fan of. I would have rather they turned the big show only because Daniel Bryan was doing so well just as a super face, but I guess Daniel Bryan is destined for the heel turn. Simple as that. Brodus Clay's debut, uh, it was interesting. Take one part, Ernest the Cat Miller, add a little bit of The Godfather, Take two uh, FCW Divas, one of them being Naomi, and the other one being Cameron. Throw them in there as his backup dancers. A little pyro red jumpsuit, which by the way, somebody needs to get Greg excellent one. I will make sh- I will make sure to post that in the show notes. Uh, Cause Greg needs a red Brodus Clay jumpsuit. Anyway, his match was a squash match with Kurt Hawkins, who for some reason had a cane with him. I don't know why. I think that uh, Kurt Hawkins or Test 2.0, because he really does look like Test at this point. Um, you know, solid squash match. Put Brodus Clay over. It was a fun gimmick. Definitely, like I said, a little bit of uh, Ernest the Cat. And the Godfather in there. You can even add a pinch of the legendary Dusty Rhodes. We'll see where the gimmick goes. As I said I'm not a big fan of these comedy gimmicks. Because either they overdo it. And pigeonhole the character. Or they're just a complete failure. But keep an eye out we'll see. I'm going to use a wait and see approach. As much as I clown Brodus Clay. And I clown the gimmick. Much like Greg Excellent said. We we can't help but watch. So we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on Brodus CM Punk and Jack Swagger was a uh, was an interesting match. Of course, John Laurinaitis was involved. But once again, CM Punk delivers a solid match from Swagger. Swagger's a great performer. It's just, you know, the lisp doesn't help him. But he's a, he's a solid performer. Definitely a guy who has a bright future in the industry. And of course, Dolph Ziggler's involvement. Vicky Guerrero, who is a fantastic manager. Just a solid match. Great way to get the beef between Ziggler and Punk over with the fans by throwing swagger in there. It's gonna be a great match between those two guys at the Royal Rumble. Um honestly Ziggler has a, a pretty good opportunity of taking the belt and if he doesn't and they put him in the elimination chamber, I really would like to see Ziggler get the belt just for a little bit as a test run. I think the guy has the tools to be a solid champion for the organization. CM Punk need doesn't really need the belt his gimmick is solid regardless but I think Ziggler is is in the upper echelon and has the potential to do very well in the main event stage they did a they were doing Zack Ryder segments throughout the evening you know teasing an attack from Kane like I said I really don't like the booking of Zack Ryder The angle with Eve, turning him into a complete chicken shit. I mean, the guy's a great performer, he's your champion. I would have rathered him go out, stand up to Kane and call him out and get beaten up that way than do that poor man's slasher film angle that they did, which I just found to be total bullshit. I was was saddened that that's the direction they went in with a guy who pretty much is super over with the fans. It just felt so ass-backwards and silly, but... You know what can I do? I don't write this shit, but it really did Zack Ryder no favors. We got a two WWE Hall of Fame announcements. Edge is going in, and a lot of he will be the youngest WWE superstar going into the Hall of Fame. You know, some people are 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 a little mixed on the reactions, given the fact that you know. You'd th- when you think Hall of Fame, you think older guys, but Edge did contribute a lot to the business. He was part of so many excellent moments, all his TLC moments, the live sex celebration, him cashing in the money in the bank, the ultimate opportunist, his feud with Mick Foley and the spear through the flaming table. All of these were just ex- you know, fantastic memories that Edge gave us, and honestly, I have no beef with him going into the Hall of Fame. Also going into the Hall of Fame this year, the four horsemen, the group, uh, J.J. Dillon, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, and Barry Windham. I'm very shocked that Ole Anderson wasn't mentioned, Paul Roma, you know, those guys, those, are, those were all guys that were affiliated with the horsemen, especially Ole Anderson and Arn Anderson, who at one time competed in the WWE also. So, seems they're going to go with J.J., Arn, Rick, and... Uh, tully and barry windham which is also interesting because obviously rick flair is already in the hall of fame as a singles performer rick flair is part of tna which has been causing a couple of waves on the internet so we're going to see if rick flair shows up at the hall of fame ceremony to in with his fellow horseman members to be inducted so rick flair will be one of those guys that's inducted twice We get a shitty angle with R-Truth and Ricardo Rodriguez, who is a diamond in the rough. I always say Ricardo Rodriguez has a tremendous upside, and hopefully the WWE will see it at some point, instead of just making him fodder for everybody else. Um, Of course, like I said, we get the stupid Eve Torres angle. The main event with Cena and Dolph Ziggler actually was pretty good up until, of course, Kane came out, did his weird sleeper chloroform glove move. On John Cena left everybody laying Zack Ryder is quote-unquote injured after the attack by Kane it was just a a really weak raw with only a few high points like I said Punk and and Swagger was okay Uh, the Hall of Fame inductions but even Cena and Ziggler probably could have got a couple more minutes before the Kane running but it is what it is folks Uh, very lackluster raw for 2012. Moving into the other wrestling news I did want to talk about, um, WWE, besides putting Edge into the Hall of Fame, will be releasing an Edge DVD called You Think You Can Know Me. The Edge story its going to follow, of course, his life and career. That DVD will be released April 10th. You can be on the lookout for that. It will also be released on Blu-ray. As I said, the dancers that were with Brodus Clay was Naomi Knight, who you may remember from NXT with the Divas, and Cameron Lynn as well. In some other WWE news, I wanted to tell you guys that the WWE Network is not debuting April 1st. It's been said that they've pushed the debut to the fall, primarily because they didn't have an infrastructure ready for the April 1st launch date. So, as of right now, they're going to do... a delayed release for the network. I honestly think that it was a bit rushed to try and get the network up and running in time for WrestleMania. I figure get the pressure of WrestleMania off your back and then focus your energies on building this network. I think with the tape, the library that WWE has, and the amount of talent for original programming, it can be successful. I can guarantee you that there are tons of advertisers that would love to you know, pitch their products on a a specific wwe network which i think you know walmart target things like that you can do so much with the network not only that but you're not at the mercy of cable providers and providing content so we'll see what happens i'm really pushing for the wwe network to be successful because with the tape library they have there's so many young fans or new wrestling fans that have never seen you know matches with bret hart or Lex Luger slamming Yokozuna on the on the Intrepid, or the Mega Powers exploding, uh, Macho Man, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat's legendary match, Bam Bam Bigelow and Lawrence Taylor. These are things that a new generation of wrestling fan can only see by going on YouTube. That, that's really it. I think um, the fact is the network has such tremendous potential that WWE cannot afford to fail. Simple as that. Speaking of of the WWE network and the infrastructure behind that, here's something that was crazy that I read from ESPN. Um, Michelle Steele from ESPN stated that John Cena has generated $106 million in retail revenue in 2010 for the the WWE. Here's the crazy thing about that. You got your armbands, you got your t-shirts, your DVDs, etc., etc., and now... You also have all the anti-Cena shirts. So think about this. One man has generated $106 million in 2010. That's, th- that's insane. Compounded with the fact that, like I said, this was before they started capitalizing on the on the audience disliking him. So I can guarantee you that this number of $106 million is probably going to be doubled this year with the type of revenue that they're generating at Cena's expense. I think in terms of marketability John Cena has a tremendous upside. His gimmick stale at the moment. Yes, he is a modern-day Hulk Hogan, but his connection with children and with young fans is, you know, it's unparalleled and the guy deserves all the kudos that he gets. 106 million dollars just from his merchandise alone. Amazing. In something that I'm sure is going to stir up a lot of rumors, Triple H showed up at the New York Giants practice. Um, Earlier this week and um, you know some pictures were put on Twitter and rumors are running rampant that Triple H was there meeting with officials to possibly hold a WrestleMania at the MetLife Stadium in Jersey as of right now the the Dallas Texas uh, the Texas Stadium is rumored to be getting WrestleMania 29 but it is not official yet. Of course, WrestleMania 30, like any 10-year anniversary, is probably going to be held at Madison Square Garden. But as of right now, that's not confirmed either. My big concern with them doing WrestleMania at the MetLife Stadium is that it is an open-air stadium with no roof. So you run the risk of it being cold in April and that impeding the performances of certain athletes. So we'll see how that pans out. But we may actually see an open-air WrestleMania in Jersey. Who knows? last but not least, we actually have some what the fuck wrestling news. you guys are gonna get a kick out of this. Hulk Hogan recently was reported on TMZ um, it was ba- it was reported on TMZ that Hulk Hogan is gonna be shaving off his mustache and possibly his hair for a movie role, which is ridiculous. I think Hulk Hogan should have shaved his hair a long time ago. but imagine cubo Hulk Hogan with no mustache. Now before you guys absorb that visual, I want to share this bit of of news with you because it is beyond ridiculous. Dr. Aaron Perlott is the chairman of the American Mustache Institute. I kid you not. This is real. You can go on Google. Dr. Aaron Perlott, chairman of the American Mustache Institute, says that he is upset with Hulk Hogan's plans to shave off his mustache, saying Hogan is seen as a longtime leading figure in the sexually dynamic mustached American community. Perlot went on to say that not only would the removal of his lower nose foliage cause angels of, in heaven to die and fall to earth as is written in biblical texts, but it would send a poor message to young people of mustache American descent who wish to embrace the mustached American experience. We do hope that Mr. Hogan, for whom we have a great reverence, reconsiders shaving his upper lip, shading, uh, shaving his upper lip, shading device. As millions of those he has inspired would be greatly let down, leading to mass chaos and deep bouts of depression in the mustached, ugh, I fucked that up, in the mustached American community. I kid you not. This is 100% legit, Dr. Aaron Perlut. American Mustache Institute. I can't even make this. I can't even make this shit up. I really can't. We get it. Hulk Hogan's mustache is important, but seriously, who gives a shit? And the fact that you would equate Hulk Hogan's mustache being shaved off to angels dying is about as as valid as Chuck Norris facts or doing a Tebow or planking. No one gives a shit. If I decided to do a Tebow in an abortion clinic holding three fetuses while juggling a pentagram and a Star of David while wearing a yarmulke and a priest robe, I sincerely doubt that no one would be offended with Hogan shaving off his mustache. Seriously. I can cover myself in honey, run, through a, run naked through a beehive, and that will probably get more exposure than Hogan shaving off his mustache. Nobody gives a shit seriously, who cares, he wants to shave it off, fuck him, as long as he's not on my TV fucking up my wrestling product that I enjoy, shave off your mustache, your pubes, your ass hair, cut off your leg, I don't care, Christ, this is, this is really a non-news story, but the, but the sheer relevance that this guy, Dr. Aaron Perlott, put into this just boggled my mind and had to be shared with you guys, it had to be shared. But seriously, American Mustache Institute, please look it up, please, please. And look up Dr. Aaron Perlut, because I'm dying to see what his mustache looks like. That's your homework assignment. Have fun with that. Strider in the chat says that Hogan, don't cut off the leg. His leg drop is the is his only signature move in wrestling. He can still do the leg drop with one leg. If Zach Gowan could wrestle with one leg, Hogan can wrestle with one leg. By the way, Zach Gowan with the one-legged wrestler thrown down the stairs by Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. And as terrible as it was, I can't help but laugh, because I did. I laughed at a guy with one leg getting thrown down the stairs. Clearly, ladies and gents, I have no fucking soul. But that's going to wrap that up. We are going to talk some video games, because there's actually quite a bit of stuff to discuss. So let's not waste any more time and get right into it. Alright, video games, we got a lot going on, of course, it is practically almost a month before the PlayStation Vita debuts in North America, and with that in mind, there's a lot of news coming out, especially from CES, and certain titles that are going to be released, one being Ninja Gaiden Sigma is going to be a Vita launch title, it's going to include a brand new hero mode, it's going to have Vita specific controls which will have use of the touchscreen, gyro sensor and rear touchpad as well. Not only that, but you're also going to be you're going to have the Ninja Trials as usual to complete, so it will be a launch title. Now, in other PlayStation Vita news, we are starting to get information about the data plans for the PlayStation Vita, and I see Strider is correcting me and saying that it is Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden Whatever, it's ninjas getting cut the fuck up. That's what it is. Moving on. PlayStation Vita, CES, data plans. Let's talk about it. Obviously, you can buy the console with Wi-Fi connection, with Wi-Fi use available and no data plan, but where's the fun in that? It seems that now AT&T has announced the pricing for two plans that you can use with the PlayStation Vita. The first one will be a 250 megabyte cap, For $14.99 a month. In addition to that. There's also a 2 gig cap. For $25 a month. Neither plan requires a contract. In addition. Kaz has already gone on record. As saying that the Playstation Vita. Has sold over 500,000 units in Japan. Since launch. Debuting on the Vita. You will also get Netflix. And Europe will also be getting Netflix on day one. Also debuting will be the Music Unlimited Service couple of things I have to address with that. A lot of people have been griping about the data caps on the Vita, but looking at it rationally, you can get Wi-Fi access pretty much everywhere you go, Starbucks, McDonald's, uh, certain stores, uh, fast food places, shopping centers, libraries. The the amount of Wi-Fi available is not what it used to be there's even rumors for us here in new york that we may be getting wi-fi on our railway system the long island railroad but besides that for those people that are familiar with the ipad these prices aren't they're nothing short of what the ipad is running the ipad for using the 3g data is going to run you 25 dollars a month i believe the cap is two gigs as well i've never really needed to use it on mine because there's always Wi-Fi where I go, and most times it's Starbucks, but you're going to be so involved with the games that you're really not going to go through two gigs of data unless you're downloading a ton of shit, looking at pornography, streaming video. I think two gigs, $25 is enough, and if they're smart, they'll do what they did with the iPad where you can pay the 25 bucks and you don't have to continuously renew it every month. You can use it for one month, try it out. If you don't like it, you could just use the Wi-Fi. It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. I know a lot of people were up in arms about it, but there's so much worse shit you could worry about with the Vita, like it being a fucking paperweight if they don't put out good games. That's a bigger concern to me than worrying about 3G data or Wi-Fi because the fact is, before we were playing handhelds with Wi-Fi and 3G, we enjoyed them just fine. It's not the end of the fucking world. Anybody who bitches about this, it's really a non-factor. How, many, how much data are you going to download to use a 2 gig cap in a month on a PlayStation Vita when you're going to be using it at home, possibly on the train, maybe during your commute? I doubt it'll be much. Seriously. We got a couple of numbers coming in I wanted to share with you guys. Call of Duty Black Ops was 2011's most popular Xbox Live game. It it was just a huge, huge 2011 for the entire Call of Duty series. Uh, The number one most popular Xbox Live game, Call of Duty Black Ops. Number two, Modern Warfare 3. Number three, Modern Warfare 2. Halo Reach, Battlefield 3, Skyrim, Gears of War 3, FIFA 12, FIFA 11, and Dat Madden were the the top ten most popular games on Xbox Live. For those of you that have been on the fence about Mortal Kombat and really didn't have no interest in picking it up, you may want to give that a second look because they will be releasing the complete collection, February 28th, that's going to include all the downloadable content, plus a CD with the Mortal Kombat songs inspired by the Warriors album, and a pass for a downloadable copy of the 1995 Mortal Kombat film, you'll be able to get that from Zune. Or on the PSN. The game is also going to include the 15 classic skins. And 3 classic fatalities for Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and Reptile. So if you didn't pick Mortal Kombat the reboot up on your first go around. You can pick it up on your second go around. Me personally I'll probably just trade mine in. And get the complete collection. Because I didn't really buy any of the DLC. So for me it's really no big deal. Let's get us into some totals for... Not only Xbox but PlayStation as well. Microsoft announced that the 360 has sold over sixty, 60 six million units since releasing. I was trying to stifle a yawn while I did that. Boy, did it fail! In addition to that, here's a here's a really impressive number. The Kinect has sold 18 million units since 2010. Here's here's the crazy thing. It's it's a separation of you know rough estimates less than 40 million units separate the connect from the 360 the the 360 sold 66 million units since inception the connect is already at nearly 20 million and it's only and it's only been out 2 years the crazy thing is the connect the innovation is going to continue now that the connect is going to be debuting on the PC as well you're going to be able to use the PC Uh, the PC PC version of your Kinect real soon. The only thing that's probably going to turn off people, though, is the price, which is rumored to be at $249. I guarantee you that somebody's going to find a way to do some sort of porn application with the Kinect. What it is, I don't know, but people are fucked up, and using it on the computer is just begging for problems. On the Sony side of things, PlayStation Uh, Sony had to tout their own numbers as well. PlayStation 3 sold 3.9 million units during the holiday season. 1.7 million units of the PlayStation Move were sold. 1.6 million PSPs were bought. And the PS2 and Vita were both bought by roughly 500,000 gamers. Kazurai also went on record with the Wall Street Journal saying that the PS4 will not be revealed at E3 this year, saying that the company still plans to be on the 10-year life cycle. So, all of those sites that said that the PS4 will be at E3, haha, fooled you! The fact that you guys would waste time and content coming up with that type of speculation is beyond me, but no PlayStation 4 at E3, put the kibosh on it, it's done. In some other Call of Duty news, we got a lot of DLC coming out this month. Well, we got the, the first of, of many DLC packs coming out this month. January 24th is the day you want to keep an eye out for. The plan right now is for there to be five DLC drops over the next three months with a grand total of 20 by September. The first DLC map pack featuring Liberation and Piazza will be available very soon. So be on the lookout for... For that. In the land of exclusive releases with perks and bonuses, Hitman Absolution will be joining the club. They will be getting a special edition and pre-order incentives. In a conversation with Joystick, producer Hakan Abrak said that both editions are av- are going to be available, but he did not state which one was going to be the one making its way to retailers. As of right now, he stated that they will not be talking about special editions, but definitely there is a special edition in existence. Honestly, in my opinion, special editions are losing their luster because they're being abused constantly by publishers. Seriously, what, what kind of special edition are you going to do with, a, with Hitman Absolution? Unless you're giving me a gun or a garage wire, I don't want shit else. So keep your special editions and shove them up your ass. Next up. Silent Hill is getting the HD Collection Treatment. Silent Hill Downpour and Silent Hill Book of Memories will be released in the month of March for the PlayStation 3 and probably Xbox 360 as well. Now the big one. MPD numbers for the month of December. Much like I've discussed in previous episodes, I always said that the measuring stick for the for the entire year is going to be encompassed in the, in the MPD numbers for December and the reason I say that is because a lot of titles came out during that during that really extreme period where you had six titles launching in the same month and people were concerned about being broke well here's the end result the MPD reports that 3.9 billion was made off of hardware software and accessories in the month of December. However, in 2010, the game industry made $5.7, million, $5.7 billion, so there's a serious drop-off there. In addition to that, out of the, 300, uh, the $3.9 billion that was sold, $2.4 billion was just software. As expected, Modern Warfare 3 is the number one game, and also Just Dance pushed Skyrim out of second place. Also, three big games dropped in November, which we all know was Uncharted, Saints Row the Third, and Skyward Sword. But the funny thing is, looking at the list for December, you wouldn't know it. Let's break it down. The number one game, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, 360, PS3, Wii, and PC. Number two, Just Dance 3. Number three was Skyrim. Number four, Mario Kart 7. Number five, Battlefield 3. Number 6, Madden NFL 12. Number 7, Assassin's Creed Revelations. Number 8, NBA 2K12. Number 9, Super Mario 3D Land. And number 10, Arkham City. It's ridiculous that in the month of December, as as, as much as they tried to get rid of it on Black Friday, Uncharted 3 did not make a dent. Neither did Saints Row or The Legend of Zelda. It's it's very interesting the the MPD numbers for the month of December, considering that these were all heavily discounted titles going into the holiday season. I'm very 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 shocked that Saints, uh, un, um, not Uncharted or Saints Row, but Skyward Sword, was nowhere on this list. Yet Mario Kart and Super Mario 3D Land were, which continues to reinforce what I've said that good first party titles will help sell 3ds units it's as simple as that all right folks i'm going to take a quick commercial break well actually no i'm not going to take a commercial break let's just get right into movies with this when gotham is
0: ashes you have my permission to die
1: I had to play that Batman clip for two reasons. Number 1, it was very awesome. Number 2, there's been a lot of there've been a lot of rumors saying that Bane's voice was being changed because people did not understand him. For those of you that are in the chat that heard that, please let me know if you understood what Bane said because honestly, I think it's a non-issue. I understood what he said perfectly, but obviously that seems to be a big gripe especially on Twitter. But, um let's get right into the movie news. Last week, I was super elated to report that the Akira Whitewash project was shut down by Warner Brothers for more script work but it seems that the studio is taking another look at the script and has decided to involve Jonah Nolan and Michael Green as potential writers for the for the script for well for, rewrite uh, script Ugh, wow I'm getting super exhausted uh jonah nolan and michael green as potentials for ironing out the the issues with the script jonah nolan as you know is involved in the dark knight and the dark knight rises michael green was involved in the green lantern film i think that going back to the drawing board with this film and focusing on just making it truer to the original is 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 a better a better direction for it. I honestly feel that just whitewashing the entire film and changing it from Japan to to Manhattan, it, it's, it's a recipe for disaster, and you're going to make a lot of people very unhappy. Not only that, but these actors are going to be stuck in a movie that's complete garbage. Simple as that. A couple of months back, I said that Angelina Jolie was working on a revisionist take on the Sleeping Beauty story uh, titled Maleficent. Uh, the script was written by Linda Wolverton and of course Angelina Jolie will be playing Maleficent. It seems that Robert Stromberg has been selected to direct the film. Here's the here's the catch though. Robert Stromberg has never directed before. His screen credits only include production designer on Avatar and Alice in Wonderland. So take so check this out. This guy's never directed shit. But he's going to be the director for a revisionist story of Sleeping Beauty with Angelina Jolie and we're all supposed to think that this movie is going to be awesome I highly doubt it but in a bit I don't even want to call this what the fuck movie news this is just weird news Warner Brothers is hoping to get Tim Burton to direct and Robert Downey Jr. to star in the upcoming live adaptation of Pinocchio Get this, Robert Downey Jr. is going to play Geppetto, which of course is the woodcarver that creates Pinocchio. The new version would feature Geppetto going on a quest to reunite with his marionette. I kid you not, folks. Tim Burton directing Robert Downey Jr. as Geppetto. The only thing I can hope is that Justin Bieber plays Pinocchio. Really? You're going to do a dark? Because as soon as you tell me Tim Burton, it's automatically a dark film. Tim Burton is gonna play, is gonna do Pinocchio, and Robert Downey Jr. is playing Geppetto. Are you serious, dude? Really? Ah, <laughs> I, I I don't even know if it's gonna suck because you know Tim Burton's so weird with the movies he does. But the concept just it doesn't jump out at me as something that people really would want to see. But it is what it is. Robert Downey Jr. will be playing Geppetto. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like Sherlock Holmes talking to a puppet. That's all I see in my head. Let's talk box office totals. The devil inside came in and destroyed the box office 34.5 million dollars on a one million dollar budget. Mission Impossible 2 20.570 million dollars total. Sherlock Holmes was three. The girl with the dragon tattoo was four. Alvin and the Chipmunks was five. It's made hundred and eleven point six million dollars. The War Horse was six. We Bought a Zoo was seven. The Adventures of Tintin was eight. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy was nine, and New Year's Eve was ten. I'm gonna try and go see Mission Impossible in IMAX this weekend. Hopefully, if I do, you'll be seeing a review on mytakeradio.com. Next up, I do want to try and see The Devil Inside. I've heard mixed reviews, some people said it's garbage, some people say it's awesome, who knows. In news that I'm sure is going to make a lot of fans happy, including our very own Slick, Anchor Base sent out a press release announcing that Battle Royale will be available on DVD and Blu-ray on March 20th. The Battle Royale collection for Blu-ray and DVD will be released for the first time in North America. You're getting HD transfers, high-resolution audio, plus a ton of bonus features. The 3-disc Blu-ray also includes a bonus DVD and is rumored to cost $50. The 4-disc DVD Battle Royale is going to be separate, and that one's going to have a sticker price of about $30. You can also be able to pick it up via digital distribution on iTunes and Xbox Live. So I'm definitely going to be picking that up. Battle Royale, March 20th, Blu-ray, and DVD for the first time. Now, I was I was unsure about how I wanted to, to discuss this particular bit of news, but this is your What the Fuck movie news for today. New Line has hired Scott Zabelski to direct a remake of Police Academy. According to Deadline, Zabelski, who has produced and directed episodes of Tosh.0, oh, will make his feature directing debut with the film. He is also trained in law enforcement and is still employed as a West Hollywood Reserve officer. Obviously, for those of you that don't remember, Police Academy was part of a seven-film of a seven film franchise, which, which had Steve Guttenberg, Bobcat Goldthwait, Bubba Smith, Michael Winslow, Kim Cattrall at one point, Police Academy films are a guilty pleasure for me. I've always found them to be super enjoyable, especially anything involving pranks on Captain Harris. I frankly think that a remake of this would be complete bullshit uh, and and knowing them, they're going to get some asshole like Ben Stiller to play Steve Gutenberg's part or some bullshit. And you can't replace Steve Gutenberg. Come on, he was he was everywhere when I was younger. Police Academy he was, I believe, in the boyfriend experiment with Shelley Duval. Oh, come on, man. The, the, Gutenberg is the man. How are you you can't. You can't replace that. You can't. Strider is the man tonight. You cannot replace Michael Winslow. You can't. And and putting and knowing them, they'll find a way to put him in the movie as like the dad of the of the newest recruit that will do all the shit that he did in police academy. It, ugh. Not to mention, what the fuck is going on with Hollywood getting these guys that just have no directing credits? Oh, look, I produced an episode of Tosh.0. How hard is it to produce an episode of Tosh.0 when he fucking sits in front of a fucking blank screen? What production value goes into that show? Hi, stand here and speak for half an hour. Really? What do you want to do? What did you do? Oh, I told Tosh where to stand. Really? That was your job? Are Are you serious, bro? Ugh! That that was your job. What did you do? I was senior YouTube button presser. Thank you, Slick. Come on, man. Police Academy is a. I, I don't want to say it's a revered franchise because don't get me wrong. Some of those sequels were fucking dog shit. But the Police Academy one, Citizens on Patrol, it doesn't get any better than that. And to try and capture that magic with a remake is going to be just as bullshit as that 21 Jump Street movie they're doing, which is also going to suck. But it wouldn't be complete without this other bit of what the fuck movie news. James Cameron, of course, has blown our minds with fucking Avatar and 3D and he's caused this entire renaissance period with 3D coming back into the forefront. But he's going to do something totally random. Paramount Pictures has obtained the worldwide distribution rights for a film based on Cirque du Soleil. It's going to be a 3D film called Cirque du Soleil Worlds Away. And it's all going to be done in 3D using, you know, typical Avatar-style 3D effects. And the real effects are going to be done by the Cameron Pace group. Who is going to watch a 3D Cirque du Soleil movie? Who? I understand that, you know... Like, that's the kind of shit that they take kids on a school trip to see. Really? Uh... Yes, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what the best part is? That'll be coming out in theaters this year. But it keeps... The the What the Fuck movie news keep rolling because it is rumored that Jim Carrey is in talks to do a sequel to Bruce Almighty. As of right now, nothing is official with Carrey at this time, but Jared Paul and Andrew Mogel. Have reportedly signed on to write the script, so yes, Bruce Almighty will be returning to the silver screen. In some movie slash TV news, Goodfellas is going to be getting the small screen treatment. AMC is currently developing a television series based on Goodfellas, which we all know was about wise mob wise guy Henry Hill. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have an issue with this. I think AMC does fantastic programming, right up there with FX. But a Goodfellas TV series at this point is the equivalent of watching the fucking Sopranos. Because that's more or less what it is. But they're going to try their hand at it. So Scorsese's classic Goodfellas AMC small screen. Be on the lookout for it. Next up, Tim Burton in the news again this week. Seems that he gave MTV News an update on a follow up to Beetlejuice saying that Seth Graham Smith, who is doing Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, is working on it. He went on to say that, yes, I love the character, and Michael is so great in it. I always think about how great and fun that character was. So I said to Seth, if you have some idea about it, go for it, and then I'll look at it freshly. In the past, I tried some things, but that was way back when. He seemed really excited about it. So there you have it, folks. As of right now... Tim Burton is working on bringing Dark Shadows to the silver screen with Johnny Depp, so of course his energies are focused on that, but we may be seeing another Beetlejuice film in the future. And to close things out, another another bit of sequel news, Grown Ups is getting a sequel. Grown Ups 2 has a release date of July 12, 2013. Fred Wolf, the original writer, is in current negotiations to write the sequel. This will be the first time ever that Adam Sandler's produced a sequel to one of his own projects. But, as of right now, the July 12th release date currently has no competition. I think the competition should be a fucking asteroid hitting Adam Sandler's house. Nobody gives a fuck about this movie. Yes, it made some money. But you're not going to capture that same lightning in a bottle twice. It's impossible. Alright, ladies and gents. That's going to wrap up the show for this week. Next week we may have a guest. We may be joined by JVB from the ECA to talk about the SOPA and PIPA bills being passed by our good old friends at our in in the U.S. government that want to pretty much take away a ton of liberties for those of you that surf the web. If it's one hundred percent confirmed, you'll know via our Facebook fan page or via Twitter. So hopefully we'll be discussing uh, SOPA and PIPA next week because. This is some serious shit, and it really needs to be addressed on a bigger platform other than Twitter and posts on various websites. We really want to go in, break down the SOPA, how it affects you, what you can do about it, and how you can stop our freedoms from being taken from us. So be on the lookout for that, hopefully next week. All right, guys, that's it. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 123 for Thursday, January 12th two thousand and twelve. If you want to follow us on any of the social media networks, you can follow us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio. You can add us on Facebook, My Take Radio, just look for it on Facebook. Add us to your circle on Google Plus. You can also look for us on MySpace if you go there, which I doubt. But that's where we are. You can also ask us questions, formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. If you got any questions about the show, also you can call the feedback line or if you have any comments you'd like to share, 347-815-0MTR 347-815-0687. Please remember if you do not want your voicemails played on air, to specify that during the recording. My Take Radio is available in app format in the Android Marketplace and the iTunes Store. It will run you $1.99, cheaper than a cup of coffee. You can also listen to MTR on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry, Miro, and also simulcasting live via Mixler. If you want to help out and support MTR, please check out our Amazon shop. All the stuff we review, talk about, and our fans of on the show, you can purchase through our store with the reliable service of Amazon, and proceeds will go to help MTR. Everything is handled by Amazon. It's just recommended by us. So head over to mytakeradio.com, click the Amazon link, and you'll be able to help us out and help MTR grow. If you want to pick up an MTR t-shirt, you can go to the MTR t-shirt link and pick up a couple of t-shirts or a hoodie there as well. Hopefully, we'll have some new designs for that. A couple of artists that I've talked to are in school out of school handling some personal issues but we're going to try and work on giving you guys some different designs in the near future please make sure to check out my take radio on twitter tomorrow as we give out two sets of tickets for combat zone wrestling they will be doing their show july uh, july january 14th at the ecw arena the bell time for that will be 2.30. I recommend you get there by at least 1.30. Help CZW send off the legendary ECW Arena. Great matches on tap, including our very own guest from tonight, Greg. Excellent meeting Mia Yim. Also, Sammy Callahan will be defending his junior heavyweight championship against uh, Rich Swan, And the CZW heavyweight champion, Devin Moore, will defend his belt against Adam Cole. Tag team titles are on the line with Azriel and Bandito Jr. against blackouts Alex Colón and Ruckus. DJ Hyde, current CZW owner, will meet the former CZW boss John Zandig as well, plus the host of other matches. CZWrestling.com is where you go for that. Follow my Take Radio on Twitter and you will have the opportunity to win two tickets to the CZW event at the legendary ECW Arena. January January 14th, I need a nap. Bell time, 2.30. All right, guys, time to get out of here. I will see you guys next week, and hopefully, like I said, we'll be talking with uh, JVB from the ECA about SOPA and PIPA. All right, take us out of here. I think for tonight's outro music, we are going to go with the Super Mario Bros. 3 Pipes Remix, available at ocremix.org.